2: Good evening and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It is the 11th day of the 11th month, Armistice Day. And whilst here in the UK, of course, we cele- celebrated or at least, that's possibly the wrong word, isn't it? Commemorated uh, Remembrance Sunday uh, on the weekend, over the weekend. Uh, it is a very solemn day today uh, around the world. Um, for those of you who have any family members or friends in the military, we thank you all for your service, and particularly for those who made the ultimate sacrifice down through the years. Up in London on a packed programme tonight, we have Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim.
3: Good evening, John.
2: And uh, what does this packed programme
3: entail, Cessua? We have all the usual features, uh, including uh, a double bill of uh, a feature we haven't had for a while but I'll bring back very much uh, this week we also have another returning feature which we haven't had for a while um, and we can blame Shay Adam for that um, uh, we'll have show we'll have Nick we'll have Declan Brennan I believe yeah second hour um, and uh, lots lots more we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's uh, season finale Patrick, in Patrick. Bahrain Patrick. we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's season finale at Sebring
2: season finale is in fact at Sebring because there's a few championship that's up there shall I do a bit of parish notices Uh, and it's aspect entertainment if you'd like to get in touch with us Uh, right turn lover likely to be spending evening with his mum which is absolutely the right thing to do good for you RTL so listening uh, on the podcast Uh, hello to Stephen Gardner who's listening live as much as he can the plumber is coming to fix a lavatory Uh, First person uh, here who hasn't lived in the house since March. Oh, yes, I see. Uh, Dave Olcott. Sorry, I was being dim there. Sorry, Stephen. Uh, Welcome to the show. Uh, Hello to Dave Olcott. He says he's looking forward to the finale of the IMSA season. SpaceX launch as well uh, at the weekend. Uh, Well, it's traditional now at Sebring that we have a... Full course yellow for the SpaceX launch, or whatever launch is going on at the time. Have never seen so the weather sem- forecast? I know. I think it's it, it's possibly That rocket's unlikely.
0: going
2: nowhere. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll check in with Cher, who is at Sebring. We'll be speaking to her in the uh, second hour of tonight's programme. Chris Suku is, has enjoyed a warm salad and a dessert. Sorry, I thought that said a warm salad of homemade Alfonso Mango ice cream. And I was thinking, well, interesting, but I'm not sure that would have combined that. A warm salad and a dessert of homemade Alfonso Mango ice cream. I'll be faffing around for a couple of hours happily in the study. Hello to Sarah Rigby, to Kevin Payne, who's listening live again tonight, preparing for what will be a jam-packed weekend of motorsport. Not sure I'm going to cram it all in while still getting some sleep. You can sleep for the most part, on Sunday, because everything else is Friday and Saturday this weekend. Uh, Hello to (laughs) Emma Crawley, who's tuned in uh, this evening. Uh, And to Alexander Orkin, a tasty supper of home-cooked salmon and chips with a watercress sauce. Looking forward to two hours uh, of washing up. I don't know how you're still getting away with that, Alex. I, I really don't. Uh, Rob Jane is listening live for the first time in far too long Looking forward to tonight Well, Whereas Oliver Giles is listening in uh, Enjoying a home exercise workout with new equipment Whilst listening to Midweek Motorsport A perfect combination All Right. okay uh, no, Carol you can save tu- money
3: on buying new exercise equipment How? Don't
2: Carol very good. Carol Brink is tuning in overlooking Monterey Bay whereas Kevin Brink is somewhere on the road from Yuma after a thwarted secret mission. You don't ask about anything that's secret in Yuma or anywhere else uh, at the moment. D'you me. Uh, Hello to Dan Fly a few miles out of Florida on the I-95 South. Uh, Great to listen uh, in live today and I will be at Sebring, he says, in the morning a uh, busy, very busy weekend of course Jules, out to bridge no AFAs this this evening first weekday off since February sitting back with an average adult, an adult beverage rather not an average beverage tea with, with milk and no sugar no finer way to spend a Wednesday evening thank you, Jules, that's very kind of you uh, this is what reminds me that it's Wednesday, not some other random day during the pandemic. Thanks for keeping me grounded, all at Spectatainment. I, I know what you mean, Alan, because it's like being a, in a perpetual state of between Christmas and New Year, where all the days run into each other, and a Saturday is very much like a Thursday, or a Tuesday is very much like a Sunday. A uh, Blue Fiend is listening live for a change from the house in Orlando, trackside at Sebring tomorrow after... Eta passes by. That's the Hurricane, not the uh, Spanish terrorist organisation, presumably. Um,
3: Basque. They'd be very angry if you called them Spanish.
2: Yeah, Basque. True. Very good point. Uh, hello to Ian McCarthy and to Serafina not working for once, relaxing on the couch with plum wine. Looking forward to the weekend. Ian McCarthy at his EFA, by the way, tonight. A porridge appointment for me. (laughs) Thursday porridge appointment. Very much present for Sebring. Warm greetings to the collective. Patrick Dron listening. Uh, Jack Martin, Thursday mornings done right. Listening from the future. Hello, As is Ted the Toy Man. No AFAs. And Sarah Rigby looking forward to a jam-packed show tonight. Uh, I will be glued to the WEC and IMSA finales. David Toobru's in. Doug Amner's in. On a sofa as well, waiting for the... Usual RC racing and Hindy disagreement ah, Not gonna happen tonight. Well, it, it might. Uh, At Entertainment, please, if you'd like to get in touch with us, comes up on the screen here in my part of the studio. Uh, Tim Gray is shuffling his virtual papers, or let's say he's flipping between tabs on his screen and comes up with this. It's the top story. All the latest motorsport
0: news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
3: We do have some breaking news, but before that, just to prove we're live, it's half time in uh, tonight's two most important games. Uh, right. First of all, uh, we'll please uh, Johnny Palmer because he's 2 0 up, and the second one pleases me because we're 1 0 up. Ah, excellent. In the, uh, I get
2: to say that we're concentrating on in the, the pizza league. Cup. Much uh, much earlier than normal. Oh, we're still in the Peter Cup. But, you know, surely that should be the Peter Plate, shouldn't it? Possibly. Anyway, um, breaking news.
3: Breaking news. Uh, within the last 90 minutes, so it's less breaking than it was when it actually landed, uh, Simon Roberts has tested positive for COVID-19 prior to travelling to Istanbul. Uh, that means that Dave Redding and Adam Carter will assume his responsibilities in Turkey, uh, let's you have to explain.
2: T- I think you'll have to explain to people who that might be because I'm sure
3: Nick Damon to explain who this might be because he is our Formula One
2: correspondent.
3: Hey,
4: correspondent. Hey, hooray! Hurrah! Hurroo! I mean, that's good. We really are going to have this better. You mean uh, at all? In fact, well, yeah, that's true. Some form of rehearsal would probably help. But explain
2: uh, those uh, th- those names that uh, Tim. Blithely trotted out there. Uh, well, why I- is this your birley wig?
4: Well, it's Formula One. Um, well, Simon, of course, um, is the recently Simon recently appointed Williams team principal following team um, team Claire team. Williams. Yeah, right, le- leaving and Dalton Capital taking over. And he's managed to mark his, I think, would have been his third race in charge, but his fourth race in charge by being tested positive for COVID, though apparently he has not been in contact with anyone from the team recently. So he's not a risk to anyone else. So he's just staying at home, um, probably you know, feeling a bit unwell because apparently he has displayed some symptoms. And uh, they've just stepped up a couple of other members of the team to take over and run the team um, to probably back at the grid, perhaps be the lucky ninth out of ten um, this weekend in Turkey.
3: Uh, Dave Redding is uh, the team manager and uh, Adam Carter is the chief engineer of vehicle design.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We've got good titles. Can they make the car go any quicker? Uh, well, apparently according to George Russell, yes they can. Uh, who else won't be in Turkey or at any other race for the rest of this season? In, and we're talking about team principals here. Ooh. Um, I don't know the answer to this question. Who is it? That's Matteo Binotto.
4: Oh yeah, he's concentrating on 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 not answering questions and people saying why. <laughs> and um, he's he's decided to go and have a have a have a really good look at the the rules to find some more <clears throat> loopholes to get themselves back in again. I think
3: he's uh, he's concentrating on next year's car at the factory, which yes. of course is this well, year's like, car. So so it's, so, it's not at the on. factory. It's it's. S- in Turkey
2: so so when you say he's concentrating on it what he's sitting there imagining really really hard and hoping something pops up miraculously is
4: that what he's doing he's sitting legs crossed uh, in a room of incense and uh, darkened lights, just omming his way to a new, better like down- it. well, he's not really It's not really the downforce. He needs to om himself to a few more uh, horsepower, to be honest. He's going to om himself into finding a way of um, getting legal horsepower, but that has been an alleged issue. Ah, forget the alleged, they were cheating. <laughs> uh,
3: who's one of the best drivers in Formula 1, according to Antonio Giovinazzi? Antonio Giovinazzi. No, he was talking about someone else. Kimi Räikkönen. Kimi is the correct answer.
4: Uh, he's 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 he swallowed the uh, the PR pill, hasn't he? Now He's not listening after... to me. But Kimi Räikkönen isn't one of the best at drivers in F1. Yes, he, he is he occasionally. All right. So you've got to build your team, and you've got to employ two of the current F1 drivers. Which round of pick would he be for you?
3: Oh, I think he's it the perfect number two for anybody. But uh, he would certainly be in my team if I could have yeah. as many teams as T-Shit Martinschitz.
4: So he's in your top four then? Yeah. He wouldn't come, he wouldn't come my top 15.
3: It'd still be is there grid, something
2: though? that we don't know that about you and him in the in the doom and distant past that involves a bottle oh. of vodka and an inflatable dolphin or something? That no, no, that is, certainly i certainly
3: been around Formula 1 as long as Kimmy has.
2: I know he has that's I why I said you. that Absolutely. is there something you know in some I I karaoke don't, don't, bar somewhere where he wronged you he criticized no, your quick step no, or no, your... I,
4: I I wished I if if he had done that that would have meant we've had a conversation which has never happened no i just don't i just think he's not being anything particularly special you know so I no mean, don't one can see any why you put him quick in a seat. Step
3: because uh, he's the king of ballroom dancing of course but he's much better in oh, the latin
4: I, the problem is, he's only, I'm only actually officially certified as such in Latin. Those true. Yeah. highly commended. Let's just remember that one. Um, did he? Yeah, did he but, have a no. go at
2: you for singing something out
4: of Le or Fall? I, you know. No, no, I was what I was, but that was it. But um, yeah, no, I just, I just, I don't. I've never understood the hype about him. I really haven't. Um, certainly not the last two or three years. But you know, it's it's a hypothetical. He's got the drive. Goodness knows, but they've they've chosen from all the available options and decide to stick with Kimi Räikkönen and Antonio Giovinazzi, which is just odd.
3: It is a little Declan
4: funny. Brennan, who's on the show
2: later on talking motorcycles uh, and probably a bit of NASCAR as well, has just sent me a note that says, does Kimi just need to be motivated? Of and I've answered yes. And I've answered yes, but the problem is Kimi's motivation is not anybody else's motivation. No. And I am not sure how you do motivate Kimmy. Because I think when
3: Kimmy's Kim- motivation is a moving target.
2: I, I think, ah, uh, yes, huh. Mm. What motivates uh, I, him
3: today might not motivate him on Sunday.
2: Well, what motivates him today might not motivate him later on today. To be honest,
3: but he's when when you get the, the, the proper,
2: he's not doing it for no. the glory.
4: No, so well, he's just doing it for a hobby. So you know, which has its benefits and its its problems. I, I just, I still
2: think, regardless of his age, uh, regardless of uh, the problems that some people have when they speak to him, I just think when he's on form and when he can be bothered, he is absolutely one of the best drivers on the grid.
3: Big anniversary for Alfa this weekend, Nick. Is
4: yeah. it? I is it, is, it, is, it a, is it an F1 like the 70 years, in F1 or 90 years in racing or something?
3: Is the 500 Grand Prix? Oh,
4: they're are 500? Oh, of course, yes, they had all those ones in the 80s, didn't they, with Bruno Giacomelli and the uh, other red and white cars. I always forget about that. I think, well, they're they were, they were in the 1950s and recently, but, they, of course, they, they did do a lot of lot of events for in uh, in the, what was it, late 70s, early to mid-80s, wasn't they, Brown? I'm not sure how they get into 500, to be honest.
3: I suspect they're including Sauber.
4: Ah, right. I see. That's how they're getting to it. Fine. Yeah, because otherwise there's no way they do it. You get to find out it
3: now. Who reminds mm. Jensen Button of himself? Who reminds.
4: <laughs> well, uh, I'll go for Lando Norris, just as a, a guess, because he was young when he started. George he's Russell. British.
3: No, it's not a British uh, driver. It's not a British uh,
2: driver. Ricciato. Uh, no, Lewis Hamilton.
3: No. no, he's British. Fernando Alonso. Yeah,
4: just...
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> Ross Brawn. Uh, Leclerc. It is not Leclerc. It is Clare. I. Leclerc. You're not going to get it. Obviously, it's Alex Albon. What? What? What?
4: What? what, what, what I don't. I don't. What massively are, underperforming
2: uh, all the time, and mm. basically keeping somebody decent out of a seat. Sorry, but I mean, argue with that. Nick no
3: okay. <laughs> uh, Roman Grosjean has revealed that only one other driver messaged him when news of his sacking was announced
4: was it was it Alex Albon again
3: it wasn't it was George Russell
4: oh that's nice can, can I can I just say something because I I, I I think this is important because mm-hmm. um, there's a massive advantage to actually being on the air when people say things rather than You know, shouting at the radio. um, I know Declan has shouted at the radio several times recently, he, John. He even. But Declan's just written down that the reason that Alfa Romeo are celebrating is because it's been a year since their last car stopped rusting. Then put down, it was a 1974
3: Fulvia. Declan. The reason the
4: 1974 Fulvias
3: were a Lancia. Mm, Rusting is because it's not an Alfa Romeo.
4: Exactly. Just want to say. And just to, just for absolute clarity, uh, Frankie Molbieri is on a two thousand and nineteen bike.
2: Yeah, that'll come up later. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm absolutely certain.
3: Uh, so, caring, sharing, uh, 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 George Russell, and uh, not a, not a mention from his own teammates uh, for Roman Grosjean.
4: Well, I don't, I'm not overly sure there was an awful lot of um, love lost between those two, it really? They were, they were always an odd couple in that they didn't really kind of in any way whatsoever compliment each other, either verbally or in driving style. Mm.
3: Uh, let's mm. move on.
4: That's this the Crown Court music, is isn't it? Crown Court music, yes. It is cran- I love the Crown Court music. We're going to be hearing it is one a lot of those.
3: tonight. There's a lot of Crown Court oh, going really, on. Oh, really? Are we? Suddenly everyone's got a little bit litigious. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the need for from that? So I'm not going even going to ask you to guess which story this is, because there were so many it could be. Uh this is Hanoi People's Committee Chairman Win Duc Chung, who was arrested oh, yeah. in August for yes, alleged appropriation practice. of documents containing state secrets. Were
4: well, the state secrets a large check. Uh, now, that's what, you know, when you get a, a country that's running a race, that's what tends to be appropriated by the organisers is large amounts of money.
3: Yes. When was the man who convinced the Vietnamese government to hold a Grand Prix and his absence, because uh, he's arrested has led to indifference about holding the race which is scheduled for April the 25th
2: Has it not already no, has, it, has
3: it been uh, It's dropped off the gone. calendar, hasn't it? Uh, What's it, what it say TBC for April track. the 25th on the calendar? TBS. TBC TBC
4: oh, so, TBC, yeah yes. Confirmed. Not announced
3: so uh so
4: what's happened now i do right now, do you know what's happened right now is all around parts of europe there were lots of people are sleeping they, they 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 got a text and it, it just said it's up for grabs and they're now going to see trying to literally looking down the back of the back of the sofa and 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 having a, you know, emptying out their piggy banks to see whether they have enough money to attempt um Formula One management to uh, bring their race back to Portimao or back to Imola or back to the Nürburgring um, not the Nürburgring because those ring. that's are not on the list back to um, Turkey Turkey um, because that's where they all they all decided, this is our chance to get back on the calendar again even though what they should do is move a race that's already in the calendar to that date and give people a few more weeks off in the middle because it's a ridiculous calendar
3: yes uh, the date is definitely not going to go to this though <laughs> This is a story we could have done last week If only our North America correspondent Who was based in Southern Florida Hasn't abandoned Southern Florida For parts of the country that's definitely not holding A Formula 1 race anytime soon Which is back in Southern Florida at the moment though Which is Southern
4: Florida Because Southern Florida's not holding an F1 race Much like Las Vegas, Detroit, they're not holding them either Long Beach, that's not holding an F1 race either
3: uh, the um, court case, uh, which was filed against Formula One and the Miami Dolphins to try and prevent them from holding the race, has been uh, very quietly dropped. But nothing
4: well, it. Yeah, but nothing's happened about actually uh, organising the race.
3: Um, however, a new court case has uh, uh, been lodged. <laughs> oh,
4: excellent! Uh,
3: this time in federal court. Right. Right. And this uh, very this complaint is a civil rights violation complaint against mm-hmm. uh, Carlos Jimenez, the mayor of Miami, uh, the county of Miami-Dade, uh, the Miami Dolphins, and Formula One. All are named as defendants in the suit, uh, which is seeking a permanent injunction that bars the race. Uh, it also wants financial restitution for residents and a judicial order declaring that racial discrimination has occurred.
4: What? He wants restitution for an event that's never happened?
3: Yes, because it's... Uh, um, because it's Carry affected on. the lives of black people.
2: Oh, for
4: goodness. Right.
3: Right, OK.
4: That sounds like some, some fantastic American... Some American ambulance chasers have a, had a right old brainstorm down the pub about that one, hasn't they?
3: Bessie Ferguson uh, says, to try and force this race into our community is not only outrageous but disrespectful to an African-American community. I don't... I don't,
4: I don't no, see... no, that. leave just... it, leave it. No, I'm, leave, not, I'm not, I'm just gonna leave. say, I don't see how that comes into it. I mean, yes, it's, it could be disrespectful to the community, absolutely. And the, no, no matter what your origin, if you think you shouldn't have a race there, then it's disrespectful for everyone. I don't, I don't see why Formula One is particularly disrespectful for any, um, so group I, over another one. Sorry, I've
2: kind of lost the will to live amongst other things whilst we're in this story, but but is this because
4: it is happening and because it isn't? No, it isn't happening, right. Now, interesting. Just, just well, let me just point out that so far, um, the number of new races at new venues um, that uh, Liberty have managed to organise have all been by accident, uh, as Vietnam's not happening, and uh, Miami isn't happening, yeah. and we haven't got to uh, Zandvoort, which is only a revised venue. So they're they're, they're pinning their hopes on the actual new venue, which is the least popular venue you could ever go to: Saudi Arabia.
3: Mm. Uh, so those two stories together um, bring yeah. us on to the newly announced provisional Formula One calendar for 2021. Uh, Nick's yeah. giving oh, us some you clues do like a good this. calendar, don't See, you? It's all been building up to the calendar news. Uh, right. Nick's giving us some clues. Uh, Zandvoort was supposed to be on an April date in 2020. Uh, is that going to take that uh, April date in 2021?
4: No. No, no it's the week, before, um, the week before. week before SPA, isn't it? So, now you have two races within about what eighty miles of each other, ninety miles of each other. I mean, obviously it makes a great weekend for the. the but I kind of feel if you have one in. Is it the week so after Spa? Yeah, one way Well, well, well you, know, you won't to... be
2: able to go to Spa and go to Samford um, because they'll be queuing for for Samford <laughs> on the Thursday that the Spa event starts, because that'll be the only way they can get in.
4: Kind of a feeling that, that, given the fact that a lot of Spa's um, audience is now um, Dutch, Dutch fans, that yeah. having the having a split of five months meant that probably the fans could go to both. Having them back to back makes it much more of a a difficult sell financially and and holiday and leave wise. But you know, perhaps it's back to back. It's not country. that
2: expensive to go to European Grand Prix. It's not like going to Silverstone.
3: Yeah, I what you're saying. But I mean, I, I, you can know, take I think, a holiday and go to, to two have, of them in the same fortnight.
4: Yeah, it's better to go to Zanvoort in, sept- in the first week of September than in the middle of April, to be honest. So it'll be uh, um, at least weather be nice.
3: Uh, what other surprises are on the calendar?
4: Well, there are no surprises. I mean, Vietnam being being cancelled was a surprise. Um, uh, but then Interlagos has got back in again because they can't cut, cut down the trees for Rio. Is that is that a surprise? <laughs> Never really thought they would be able to cut down the trees.
3: Uh, um, come, on, rattle, come on, Ruffles. Through who's through going to promote the Brazilian Grand Prix?
4: From? Emerson Filippoldi.
3: I oh. would have thought so.
4: <laughs> we would we, we have non stop Crown Court music if he was doing it. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, people who are not friends with Bernie Eccleston like the current promoters, apparently. Ah.
4: Right, okay. Was that how he said in that way, or was is that an inference? Uh,
3: it was said in the way that. Uh, Liberty Media are not on speaking terms with the current uh, Interlagos promoter.
4: Ah, right. Well, given the fact that the current Interlagos promoter pays no pounds, no pence for the race uh, due to an historic deal with Bernie, I'm sure that's nothing that, the, uh, that Liberty want to continue doing. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that is how it is, but. So, I mean, the kind of, let me just, I think just as some of the candidates, there's too many races, there's right. a couple in the wrong places and they haven't, uh, and, but I don't think the criticism they hadn't learned from this year is fair because this was put in place before this year. Yeah. So next year you'd, you'd hope they'd learn some of the lessons from this year, but I don't think there'd be two races too many, a triple, a triple back to back, including a triple flyaway is too much for people, even though they're going to reduce the number of personnel on site. And so there'll be rotation we brought in by the teams and it, has knock-on effects. It's so crowded, it's going to make it difficult for Pirelli to test their 18-inch tyres it's supposed to bring in the next year. Um, it's a pity that the the race that's been lost is Vietnam, because it gives a four-week break too early in the season, so you kind of... That's why I think they should move a race back and, and stick to 22, but I'm of money, liberty, trying to make up after losing it this year. I don't think that's going to happen.
3: Mm. Perhaps um, they'll move uh, go Zandvoort to uh, April. don't know. Nick Yes
2: which driver formula 1 mm. driver should have got on a flight to
4: dubai to dubai mm. Mm. oh is that cuz they actually end up like we did end up in istanbul
2: <laughs> roman Grosjean missed his flight to istanbul today tweeted it early this afternoon yeah um so that was a good start uh, for the weekend <laughs> as he says um, however, before Nico Hülkenberg gets any of his hopes up... Um, I bet Nico w-
3: wouldn't be able to get a flight to Istanbul this late. Well,
4: I presume he's already there. As? No, I think he is he's, turning up. I he's backup up driver. They, they've, got, they've got him there as backup driver again, yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, exactly. I know he does German uh, telly as well, doesn't he? I mean,
4: German uh, telly aren't there. He's... they he remotely. Romain is already on his way. He's got a backup plan. Uh It's quite an easy place to get to Istanbul because it's obviously with Turkish Airlines, you know, conquering, having so many routes everywhere. um, That is one place you can get to, even when you don't want to go there. You can get there.
2: (laughs) Mm. Uh, And that's your Formula One uses it. It is. What shall we move on to next? Another FIA World Championship?
3: Cost cutting. We're not moving on to Uh, ah. Oh no, no.
2: This is from no. You 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 got this after the show last week and said don't. Let me forget to do it. So, cost cutting in this case that doesn't cut costs.
3: Uh, this is Formula Two and Formula Three, costs, isn't it? For lots of people, there are some people for whom it will cut costs. Uh, the promoters of the FIA Formula Two and Formula Three championships have always considered cost control as one of their priorities. Every year, they study and apply where possible different ways to keep budgets under control. And starting from 2021, they will put in place important measures that will help achieve this goal as such the promoters can first announce that thanks to agreements with the suppliers to F2 and F3 the cost of the engine lease and some spare parts will decrease from 2021 in addition to this the costs related to logistics and freight will also be cut so they will that that will cut costs right for the Go teams on. Uh, Moreover, the promoters have decided the same car will be used for the next three-year cycle of F2, which will start in 2021, and the 2019 Formula 3 car will be unchanged for 2021, and is likely to remain the same for 2022, 2023, and
4: 2024. Again, that cuts Fine. Well, possibly, the chassis wear out.
3: One of the team's variable costs is the number of events per season, which directly impacts their budget. There should be a comma there, shouldn't there? Which directly impacts their budget. Therefore, it's been decided that an efficient way to reduce their expenses is to go to fewer venues, but without decreasing the number of races. Currently, each Formula 2 and Formula 3 event comprises two races. From 2021, they'll be made of three races instead. Formula 2's calendar will consist of eight events, but will keep a total of 24 races. This means the F2 teams will save up to a third of logistics costs. As for Formula 3's calendar, it will comprise 7 events, but 21 races in total, thus increasing the overall number of races. In order to achieve this, Formula 2 and Formula 3 can no longer run on the same race weekend. Ah! Therefore, it has been agreed with the FIA and Formula 1 management to have three races of either Formula 2 or Formula 3 per Grand Prix weekend, the format of which will be announced at a later date. And yep. uh, I can tell you that uh, the races that Formula 3 has managed to uh, pick up for 2021 are the ones at Barcelona, yep. Paul Ricard, mm-hmm. the Red Bull Ring, Budapest right. at the Hungaro Ring, Spa, yep. Zandvoort, and Austin.
2: How's Austin going to save the money? Because they normally don't go out there, do they?
3: No, they normally stay in Europe. Yeah, Okay. Uh, whereas uh, Formula 2 gets to go to the Middle East and seven, or, or, well, twice, on Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. Uh, I, you know what? I,
2: I, It's going to be a bit, I reckon, by the time you've got everything you're thinking about over the weekend. It depends whether they're crushing it all into the same amount of days. Um, yes, it'll all
3: be done in the same three days. Right, so they're going to lose a
2: practice or a qualifying session no, and have a race instead. they get the
3: same number of... Um, practice and ra- and qualifying sessions but they have three races instead of two because they are using the time that would have been used by the other championship
2: it's not a bad idea it's not a bad idea t- t- well it will keep the thing. number of well hang on let me tell you why i think it's not a bad idea first <laughs> the only thing that i can see where it might help is that given the uncertainty about what's going on in the world, it will keep the number of people in a paddock down because we've all said this year how, you know, there's been thousands of people in a formula one paddock by the time you've had the two support series. So having one or the other, I think there's a question mark over damage budgets. If you have three races at the same weekend, there's also the question mark of the the gaps between the races. Whereas You know, if you've got two races, you take your make take your sensible pills for the first one and then go hell for leather in race two. Well now you're gonna have two slightly more have to have two slightly more sensible races and go hell for leather in race three, or only the big teams with loads of parts are gonna get to the third race. It's a
3: yeah. Go on Tim. If you are a team that runs in both championships, then at the moment you're saving money by having certain people who work across both Formula 2 and Formula 3. People like press officers and physiotherapists and catering staff. Now you need to have those for 15 weekends of the year rather than just 9 or 8 in the case of Formula 3. So that's immediately increasing that cost, and you think, well, that's only going to imply to a tiny minority because the number of teams who race in both is restricted to ART, High Tech, Trident, HWA, MP Motorsport, Charouz, Carlin, and Campos. <laughs> yeah, but they're not going to be writ the, which, which you is know all the other series the Formula Two grid and all but one of the Formula Three grid.
2: The other series isn't going to be racing anywhere else,
3: no, but, yeah, but these, are, these are not are... people who are full time employees. These are people you hire for a certain number of days per year.
2: so are you saying you so it's more difficult to amortize them across both of the series because you've actually increased the number of events
3: that they have to uh, go to, yes. that
2: they they have to go to yeah no i I understand that. I understand
3: that. And the final and an thing, additional of course, cost. is that the cost that the teams charge to drivers is not going to go down at all.
2: Well, no. of course not. It's the same amount of
3: races. It's not. In it's fact, it's more, more in it, Formula 3. In Formula so 3, yeah. The budgets that the drivers have to find, because that's where the money comes from, of course, is going to go up. And that's not cutting costs for anyone. It's just increasing profits for the teams. Well... They'll have to charge, they will want to charge more anyway. Rob Gianna says, I'd expect
2: your team. And this is a real issue, but possibly not as announced. But there are um, some rumours that sponsors finding the sp- are finding the sport less attractive. Uh, so, because of the rich parents just basically having to fund drivers and teams at all levels, from F3 through F2 and even to F1. Uh, and he's also said, I thought Massa was everybody's backup a driver this weekend. A uh, rotation said, I momentarily forgot the world we're living in and thought, oh, good. Now Zandvoort won't be so close to the Eurovision song contest, so hotels won't be too expensive. <laughs> See what we've done your rotation? See what we've done. Uh, let's awesome. move on. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, and this is uh, Series 15, Episode 44 uh, this week. It is. Uh, Final uh, note on this, cost may decrease for teams to attend, but will they pass that on the competitors? F3 have no. a different race format to F2 with, with their sprint and fe- uh, feature race. Yes, absolutely. Well, the race format is up
3: for discussion anyway, so I suspect we'll see ah. two short and one long race in all three championships. F- Certainly, we'll have. I think we'll have two short, one long in F2. F3 might have three equidistant races, which is what, of course, proper Formula 3, which wasn't Formula 3 either, this isn't formula three i hope you have yeah of course that. we know that uh it, it might go back to the gerhard Berger era formula three not formula three format
2: right let's move on uh still to come plenty of uh sports car talk in the second hour we share adam joining us live from sebring the venue for the Imza final weekend of 2020 declan brennan is on his blocks at the moment and just waiting for the B of Bang to jump in on MotoGP and a bit of NASCAR as well in hour two. Your submissions for that, please, uh, on at Specutainment. Where would you like us to go next? Are we staying with FIA
3: Championships? We're going to the FIA World Endurance Championship, which stages its final round of the season, which is a very long season, given that it started in the middle Longest of 2019. Uh, yes. In Bahrain this weekend, with the eight hours of Bahrain, the deciding round for who will win the FIA World Endurance Drivers titles in both LMP1 and LMGTE. But first of all, we need to tell you about uh, a driver who wasn't expecting to be there and will now be there, Richard Westbrook.
2: Yeah, he's had to fill in at Aston Martin because Alex Lynn has tested positive for COVID, with which Alex uh, all... Can
4: I can I interject best. there? yeah. Richard Westbrook was already going. He's changed cars. Correct. Richard Westbrook's jumped out of the, um, the AM car with Paul Dell And then the person who's going to be there who didn't expect to be there is Pedro Lamy. Correct. He's going in there. And um, Westbrook's just been moved up to the main team, or well, the works um, pro team, shall I say.
2: So, Lamy um, is is back with Paul La Lana who he's driven uh, with extensively. We wish our best to uh, Alec and, and Alex and Alex and hope he will. Uh, recover fourteen months. This championship has been on the go. It originally, seems longer. Uh, originally due to end Never. at Le Mans in June, of course, and then Le Mans wasn't in June. Uh, and originally due to be the first of the school year, football year type of uh, championships. Uh, now that has gone as well. Uh, 24 cars, 15 teams, 66 drivers from 22 different nations, uh, and late afternoon start under the floodlights on the normal circuit. Mm. Um, uh, a a few it's final to say goodbye. It is now is the time to say goodbye. Uh, not not least, of course, to Gerard Navarre, who's been at the helm for nearly a decade of Le Mans insurance Management, that looks after the FIA World Endurance Championship and the ILMC before that and of course the ELMS the European Le Mans Series we wish Girard the best uh, for wherever he turns up next i have a strong suspicion he won't be out of work for very long uh, and the TSO 50 Nick is on its final outing as well
4: yeah the um, the venerable Toyota hybrid the, the last of the works hybrids with the Uh, Nissan, remember them? Audi and uh, Porsche falling, by the way, in previous years. It's been ploughing a lonely furrow for the last couple of years. Uh, But obviously, a massive successful car has won three Le Mans now. And it's his last run out and they are racing themselves for glory because it's a the drivers' how champ- the team championship. The drivers' championship is between the two the two cars. There is only uh, seven points between them. So first and second is I think actually, I think it's extra points this race, isn't it? One hundred and fifty points, I think. One hundred and fifty percent of points. I think it's thirty nine for a win. But the gap is big enough. So whoever finishes ahead will win the drivers' championship. That team will. Uh, so we've car got that's Brenton- behind. Hu- has got the better
3: sorry. equivalence of technology, hasn't it, Nick?
4: Yeah, they, they, they've they've as you know throughout this series they have kept. Um, a balanced performance so much so that they they, they balanced the Toyotas down to they were losing about three and a half, four seconds. which actually did enable the Genettas to, I think, the the Rebellions to win a race earlier in the season. Um, They have kept that balance together, so there's a half a second advantage for the eight over the seven, I think it is. But they are... um, But they have... They've gone back to the base spec, so the car is actually its mm. most powerful. So it's down to 800 and, uh, 870 kilograms, the lightest it's ever been. It's got um, a maximum hybrid regeneration, and it's got a faster fuel flow. So what they've basically said for their last race, have at it, boys. Mm. Run it in the fastest format you can. But for fairness, the, the, uh, the car ahead in the championship will be 0. 0.54 of a second on, on handicap behind. So it does give a huge advantage to the chasing car. And what would if that number seven
2: car? I mean, it's the basic, the basic numbers are whichever one of the Toyotas finishes ahead of the other, that team, that that set of drivers will win the drivers' championship. Why would it be significant if the number seven car actually won
4: and therefore won the championship? I know. I'm I it. don't know. Go for it. Go for it. That's it's fine.
3: Uh, it would produce, uh, or it would elevate. Uh, one of the drivers from the seven car, which is Jose Maria Lopez, into a very elite group of racers that currently only oh, includes W-W-C- Fernando Alonso Champion. and Petter Solberg. Yes. Drivers you know have won an FIA World Championship in two, championship. Different, two disciplines.
4: different disciplines. disciplines. That's right, because yeah. of course Formula E was not a World Championship when Boeing won it. Correct. It still isn't,
2: isn't it? It's not in a... Uh, no, the coming season, season will be. Next yeah, season, yeah, yeah. Next season. Uh, uh, There's also so a driver's
3: championship up for grams in LMGTE as well, uh, John. Uh There is the, this one, and they're not all from the same manufacturer.
2: No, two Astons, which will please Sarah uh, very uh, much indeed. The 95 and 97 crew, uh, and the EF Corsa Ferrari, that's the number 51 car, uh, three wins this year for Sorensen and Nicky' team in the uh, Dane train, and they, despite not having won the twenty-four Hours of Le Mans, which normally gives a huge championship lead, um, but that was Alex Lynn and Maxi Martin, and Alex is not going to be um, uh, going to be there, so it's only Max who's in with the chance that one, and they they're fifteen points Sorensen and team fifteen points ahead of the Le Mans winning Martin. Uh, a mathematical chance outside chance in fairness for Only james collardo
3: further behind though
2: yes uh yes 26 off the lead uh that's alessandro Perghidi and james collardo uh who now they were champions in twenty twenty seventeen,
3: 2017 which was 17. two seasons ago apparently yes yeah i think
2: already got already got some winners though haven't we uh Gary Robertshaw's won everything this year, so that must mean United Autosports have yes. got the lmp 2 title.
3: Phil Hansen, Philippe Albuquerque. Um, Correct. With the treble. Cra- um, cracking, isn't treble, it? of course.
2: FIAWEC, uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans and European Le Mans Series titles. Yes. Drivers' titles well, in the, the, the same sports
3: year. sports car treble.
2: Yeah. Or the impressive.
3: one possible, at least. Very good. Um, yeah. Still a battle for second place in uh, that... Uh, category though
2: Jota have the advantage at the moment then racing team Netherlands the jumbo sponsored car uh, and
3: uh, Jackie well, DC well, racing just and
2: Signatech Signatec Alpine because there's 39 and cool points racing. and uh, yes yeah 39 points still on offer um and Nick, there's 10 entries in GTE Arm, which uh, GTE Arm has been really impressive. And of the 24 cars this weekend, 10 are in GTE Arm. And I know everybody talks about getting rid of GT Le Mans and GTE, but we saw a fabulous entry at Le Mans, and we've seen in yeah. the WEC and indeed the European Le Mans Series a solid GTE Arm entry. All
4: year, uh, both the drivers and
2: the team's title still to be decided.
4: Yeah, and, and in other news, um, it appears that Johnny Molam has finally retired properly um, uh, he's, cause he's, he's walked. He's, he's backed away from the from the Red River Sport Car, and um, he's, they're basically they're trying out a couple of drivers. Um, for future reference, with Colin Noble and Kai Cusolino taking over, joining mm. Bunny Grimes. And um, Johnny said that he generally finds it too difficult to concentrate on on driver management, team management, and driving. He will still and be out there, though. He's, oh, yeah, he's out there as team manager and uh, driver manager, but just not actually driving the car. In terms of the GTM title, we've got Aston Martin Vantage number 90
2: from TS Sport, the AF course of Ferrari number 83. Uh, so that's Charlie Eastwood, Johnny Adam, and Sally Jolich. Uh They are the leaders. Uh, that did come from the Le Mans win. Uh, Emmanuel Collard and Francois Perodo with Nicholas Nelson, are just eight points behind. Uh, we've got coverage of qualifying on Friday yes. and the race on Saturday. Johnny Palmer, also, yes. the lead voice uh, on that. Shall we only play a free game? college. Only free coverage of that. Go on then.
3: Uh, we'll do a little quiz.
2: Oh,
4: excellent! See, uh, see,
3: see what you can tell me. Uh, right, go I'll, on. I'll just alternate between the two of you. So we'll start with you, John. Uh-huh. How many corners are there on the Bahrain International Circuit on the configuration they're using this week? <laughs> Fifteen is correct. Nick.
4: What, <laughs> Yep.
3: John has been to Bahrain. He he should remember. I've it. driven it. I've been to Bahrain. Exactly. So you should remember that as well. Nick, in what year did the Bahrain International Circuit open?
4: Open. I know because yes. I was there.
2: I was there for one of the first events.
4: I am going to guess. <laughs> and it funny. is a guess. Two thousand and eight. Two thousand and
3: four. Two thousand and four is correct. John I was there. <laughs> Who holds the WEC lap record at Bahrain? Uh, I bet it's not what we think it is. Um, I did mention this in our rehearsal, so you should remember it. What (laughs) rehearsal? Um,
2: (laughs) I'm guessing it is a Porsche.
3: It's not. Okay. Is it an Audi? It is an Audi. I knew it would be an older car.
4: Um, November 26th. I'm going to say... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to guess Lotterer because he tended to be the quickest.
3: It was Lucas Degrassi.
4: Nah.
3: Uh, Nick, who is the winningest driver yes. in Bahrain in WEC?
4: Not a word. It's not a word. Who's the most...
3: Inter- Who's Overall the most wins, wins or class victories? Class race? wins. Oh, uh, um, is it um, Nicky Tim? It is. He's got four. John, how many islands make up the uh, archipelago oh, of the kingdom oh, of Bahrain? Um
2: get that map up quickly, come on count. Oh no, I don't I can't do that. Um <laughs> seventy
3: two. It's Thirty five. And Nick, guess, can you name the two Asian nations to smaller than Bahrain? Uh Singapore. Yes. Very
4: good. And ooh, um hmm.
3: oh, Muscat. Muscat's at the city.
4: In Oman, yeah, Iran, you're right. Which Sorry. is bigger um, than the UK. Yes, go on then. Which is the one then?
3: The Maldives.
4: Oh I wouldn't have got that in a million years. No, uh, neither would I. <laughs> Absolutely. I could have been I could be I could be we, we could be naming countries till Christmas. I wouldn't have got that.
2: <laughs> Christmas Island. Um, <laughs> so Not did I win that for once? Did I win it for once for Yeah, you did. keeping yeah, score? You did.
4: Oh, for goodness' I felt, sake! I felt I didn't. I, I felt I didn't win. Didn't start well when he guessed fifteen corners straight off. <laughs> I
2: had. I had to think about. Um, I just remembered thirteen was at the top of the hill, and right and yeah. there's two corners at the end of the lap. They call the last corner actually two corners. So, well was, done. You know, excellent work. It's all right. Um, Although I, still... I, think
4: should, I think we should do that more often. I enjoyed that. Did you? <laughs> I've got well, more if you last,
2: want more. I mean, you not it's, it's last I mean, racing when, of the
4: weekend. when we come to a new track or a new event, you, know, you, you, just, you know, it doesn't have to be a particularly F1 or anything. Just anything you say, oh, we're going to talk we've just, We just talked about, I don't know. We're going to uh, Philip Island for bikes and stuff. And we have a Philip Island quiz. And the answer is penguins.
3: Have you seen the penguins, Nick?
4: No, I've never been there, but even
3: Melbourne. I've well, been, been there. Other than you, Johnny Palmer's been there. He's not with here you. <laughs> uh, He's at not at the same here time both. as me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm. Where would you like to go next? Uh, let's do some Japanese news. Right. There was right. some Super GT <laughs> both the weekend. Both
4: of us going right. Super was GT of the weekend.
3: Yes. Right. Round seven of the uh, 2020 Super GT Championship took place where, Nick?
4: Autopolis. Uh,
3: it was Mategi, but close enough. At least you've got the right country. The <laughs> 300 kilometres of the Fujimaki Group Mategi <laughs> GT. Yeah. Uh, it uh-huh. was round seven, as I said, uh, held. Uh, Really in the GT500 oh, class da, da. it was the number 8 uh, NSX GT car uh, driven by Tomoki Nahiri and Nirai Fukizimi who took the lead from second position on the grid to run away with their first win of the season and in the GT300 class the number 56 realised Nissan Automobile Technical College GTR driven by Kyoto Fujinami and Giao Paulo de Oliveira uh, taking their second win of the season. Second, and the uh, season finishes. Oh, so go on. It was the second uh, weekend uh, this year that they've raced at Mategi. And afterwards, uh, Jao Paulo de Oliveira said, Thank you, everyone. We were in a tough position where we had to control the race. It was a long stint in the second half, and Taniguchi-san in car number four was closing in. Still, I was unable to enjoy the race. And since we're now the leaders in the championship title race, this has really been a good weekend. And they'll
2: finish their season on the 28th and 29th of November for Where's their that, fourth Nick? round and third visit to...
4: Is it at is it Autopolis? No. Suzuka? No. Um, Fuji? Yes. yes.
2: <laughs> well done for going through all, all of the them. circuits. All you know. of those
4: circuits which were in Japan, thank you very much, Tim.
3: Apart yes. from Sugo. I
4: didn't say Sugo.
2: I know. And they haven't been to Sugo this year.
3: They haven't. I think it's uh, still got some earthquake damage.
2: And I I think they they changed their calendar quite significantly. Right, before we move into the second hour, final bit of sports car news. And it is sports car news, although it's under the awning, if you will, of the German Touring Car Championship.
3: Well, you see, the German Touring Car Championship has not used touring cars for a very long time. In fact, it doesn't even call itself a Touring Car Championship. Mm. It calls itself the Deutsche Touring Car Meisters.
4: yes.
3: Meisterschaft. No, not Meisterschaft. That would be Championship. It's just Meisters. Masters.
2: Masters. Ge- Deutsche... So the German Touring Car Masters, then, is that what it's called?
3: Deutsche Touring... Deutsche Touring Vargen. Masters, no Vargas. All right, not
2: even Touring Vargen. Oh, okay. All right. Now, what's the significance of what's been said here? We've been, we got very excited about what might happen, and I think I that a lot of people I did I feared sing- that
3: they would go horribly wrong and just adopt GT3 rules when there was no need for another GT3 championship in Germany, which is already flooded with GT3 championships.
4: And what have they done, Nick? They've just adopted GT3 rules virtually unchanged. In fact, completely unchanged. Uh, even though though there are already lots of GT3 championships in Germany.
2: Extraordinary. I thought, oh, we might see a GT3 plus plus, some big wings, some wheel arch extensions. uh, And no, nothing. Nada. Nothing at all. Zip. Because.
4: Well, it's because the manufacturers didn't want to make another car for DTM because they don't want to pay money to I'm, develop cars for DTM, which is why there isn't a DTM anymore. It's
2: well, just... I'm not sure, other than Audi, who actually wanted it. But given that Audi, I think, we're, you know, there, there isn't anybody left, is there? Um, so who will it bring back is the question, and that's a question not easily answered. It's a damn side cheaper to put out and run a bunch of GT3 cars, as your factory teams with single drivers in sprint races and it, it will be slightly different in that it is sprint racing and they'll no doubt and and i use this word advisedly and within massive quotes spice it up close quotes by having mandatory pit stops and all that kind and fuel or you know fuel dump or tires or whatever <coughs> You know, they'll, they'll do something.
4: But the real question is, isn't it, John, is is that will Mercedes and BMW come back with any activation cash or not? Correct. And my guess is certainly as far as Mercedes is concerned, the answer I expect we no. Um because that's what it's all about. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they'll get plenty of German teams who if they're allowed to but get a franchise and run two cars will do that because they'll probably see a business model that works with G T three, but it's not much different, is it?
3: And you uh, say are they a bit that they're making it different by having short races with uh compulsory pit stops but the german gt championship already has races that are only an hour and already has compulsory pit stops mm. yeah so it's actually not any different at all yeah but it's only uh, an interim measure isn't it because in 2023 we get something different for dtm really we get...
4: this is, this is electric racing yeah
3: basically really? uh who's behind the uh dtm electric prototype
4: um, I'm reading uh, Schaeffler
3: oh really yes.
2: Schaeffler that's the uh, they're inextricably linked with Audi aren't they
3: who uh, have been the test drivers for this car
4: oh blimey I haven't got time I'll to read down the clue. article
3: inextricably linked with Audi
4: um Mary Uh
3: no uh, Daniel Abt Timo Scheider oh
0: right oh, yes
3: Hans-Joachim oh, Stuck and Sophia Flerch Right,
2: Fair So this is all Audi, isn't it? This is all being, pardon the pun. Uh, that there uh, may be a, a bit by of Audi. Audi
3: involvement in this, yes. Yeah. Um. So,
2: but the DTM Electric isn't going to to take over from DTM. DTM Electric is set, and I quote, to form one of the German organisations quotes five pillars of the future uh, alongside DTM, DTM Trophy, DTM Classic and DTM eSports. Mm. Sprint right. races of around 30 minutes with the possibility of battery changes during a mandatory pit stop.
3: Yes. And how are these batteries going to be changed? Uh,
2: I have no clue.
3: Hang on.
4: They think that they can't get a battery to last half an hour.
3: Oh, they can. But... Well, then how you would. The well, they have were talking.
2: They were talking about doing tire changes by with large industrial robots. So presumably they're going to do yeah. the battery changes with robots, are
4: they? Yes, they are. To me, that's really that's an unnecessary extra cost. And unnecessary extra costs always get dropped by the time something actually happens.
3: Yeah.
2: Also, the, the red of DTM
3: looks- is an unnecessary extra cost, Nick. Well, there is. And that. look
2: how well it's been going um In fairness, the uh, the concept looks very much like a Audi R8 and an Audi TT have had an electric love child. No, oh, as well. And Schaeffler yeah. are, are the. And I'm right because I've now looked it up, but I, I knew that there was a big link with Audi. They do all the Formula E drive tra- trains for Audi, don't they? Yep,
4: Ab Schaeffler, Audi Schaeffler, Abdul, Audi Sport, yeah.
2: But they're a technology company as well as being, um, you know, they've sponsored them for a while. They, they were, I think they were originally a bearing company. And I'm not looking this up, I'm just remembering from when I was at uh, Hockenheim Ring a couple of years ago. Um, hmm. uh, Declan says the tyre changing robots will get hacked by opposing teams. <laughs> I hope they all speak in Italian like uh, Luigi in cars. <laughs> um, which would be very good uh, very good indeed oh, uh, what, uh, what does uh, what, what, uh, Audi
3: Motorsport boss Dieter Gas have to say about it
4: I really couldn't be bothered slash this is the greatest thing ever uh,
3: almost yes he said uh, I personally believe that this will be challenging from a safety aspect talking about the pit stops obviously right it's a legitimate uh, idea so in that concern, and provided they can do it safely, changing the battery would be welcomed.
4: Uh, no! It just adds to range anxiety. No! Uh, right, let's finish off. What have to say? Well, I'm not we're much, because he, he's leaving. We're, we're still not giving you any money. Ha, 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 ha.
2: He said... He's for BMW. The outgoing this, yes. BMW M-Sports um, This concept's sports a big director.
3: challenge, and not one that will be resolved in a handful of months. No. So or it doesn't concern me.
2: It. Uh, This is from Tom Firth, Scheffler owns Compact Dynamics uh, and also providing the hybrid system for WRC when it goes electric. Fernando De Silva, a very unpopular opinion, but DTM could at least try a Super TCR, sort of European version of TC2000 before going to that electric RS3 that sounded glorious. Dave Alcock, given the trouble DTM find themselves in, it's a bold concept uh, of them to propose a brand new series. The specs sound stunning, uh, which is good. Uh, And Tom Firth says there's no technical changes from DTM from standard GT3, but uh, with the electric DTM, isn't that the real end goal to just draw the manufacturers back? And therefore, it's just a means to an end. And one for perhaps the second half, when we're speaking to Shea Adam, um, given you mentioned GT Le Mans and GTE Am, um, uh, these classes seem far more successful uh, in uh, WEC and ELMS than in IMSA, where it seems that GT Daytona, which is GT3, of course, is dominant. Why do you think we see this split? Is it BOP or purely finance related? I would suggest finance mm. related and the fact that uh, a couple of the major manufacturers haven't released in who are putting money have put money and continue to put money into gtlm in IMSA haven't released any customer cars in the shape of BMW and Corvette, and the other manufacturers Porsche don't want customer cars out of that new RS R19. Um, Aston Martin would love to but don't want to have to pay the um, fee for being involved uh, and I think there's probably a couple of other um, manufacturers along the same lines, although, and we'll talk about this with Shea uh, in a minute, because I do hear there are options for uh, next year, so that Corvette aren't racing against themselves the point, I
3: do have it's, one more DTM uh, point quickly very quick, because uh, earlier today in an interview, Mike Rockenfeller said that uh, um, that uh, said, that in ten years' time, who will be seen as a legend of DTM? Rene Rast. Rene Rast is correct. Midweek motorsport,
0: half time, and while we swap ends, here's what's coming up
2: uh, in the second hour tonight. Declan Brennan will join Nick Tim, and as we look ahead to the final two events of what has been. A simply astonishing MotoGP season, which is still not quite over, by the shouting. Uh, at least. Uh, We'll also be talking a bit of NASCAR. We'll have more of your tweets. It's been suggested that the DTM GT3 plan is to ensure that Gerhard Berger continues to draw his 1.2 million euro salary. could possibly comment uh, on that. Coming up next, we're going live to Sebring, where Sheer Adam will talk us through the weekend, the final weekend, for the IMSA Championships of 2020.
0: Midweek Motorsport on Radiolamon.com
2: And if you listen very carefully in the background, you can hear race cars, and that is because Shea Adam is on site at Sebring. We weren't joking, she's actually there, although sitting in her hire car uh, at the moment because the wind's getting up, uh, Hurricane Etta uh, blowing through. Hello, Shea.
5: Hello, John
2: uh what is the let's let's be very very english and get this over and done with straight away what is the weather like (laughs) at the moment
5: well that's appropriate because actually nick tandy englishman just walked behind my rental car um it is very blustery at the moment but not raining the rain is actually going every which way around the circuit which is the good news um but we were under a stage two weather warning for about three hours this afternoon so being florida being november being hurricane season (laughs) yeah it could do anything at any moment
2: um this weekend this Elongated season. I mean, I mean, we would have been probably down at Sebring this weekend for the Michelin Encore. That's not happening this year, and effectively, this event has taken its date. The Sebring 12 Hours uh, up for uh, the finale of the IMSA Championships. Um, it's it's going to have a little bit of a. It's going to have a bit of a different atmosphere. Are there are there fans allowed or not?
5: Yes, um, there are, but they are only allowed in effectively the infield of the track. So the normal places where you would see them, uh, the scaffolding being built earlier when I went on a track walk, Um, you've got fans that are on the inside of, Basically, Green Park area, the Turn 10 fans are always there. But everybody being mandated to wear masks and actually stay within their little bubbles, there's outlines drawn on the grass in several places to try and dictate where the campers can stay to. There was a track walk earlier for fans only, which was subsequently followed by a track walk for competitors only. So they are still keeping the two areas very separate. And if you're in the paddock, you cannot go into the fan zone and vice versa. Uh,
2: Where would you like to start...
5: It, um how about how about if tim guesses what's out on track first and right now in the background and then we can start with those cars uh
3: they're quite quiet because presumably you're parked with your okay, uh, hang window on. shut but i think
5: let me open the door i, heard the, binger, I heard the going dinger out. going there.
3: i think that's a lamborghini
5: that's that a, would be a lamborghini that
2: just sounds like a v10 to me absolutely yes.
5: So they're the first cars out on track for the action of the weekend. And this is an official practice session. Yes, that was the the Ford making its presence known. Um, And we have 16 cars this weekend. We've already gone through the entry list. We did that last weekend, so I won't do that again, but I will let you know there have been a couple big changes. Eric Curran is somebody who I was not expecting to see this weekend. I did see him walking around in the paddock wearing a fire suit. He said he's gonna need to figure out how to drive again because he's sharing a car with William Hubble this weekend, very last minute deal coming together. And Eric, who's a Sebring 12-hour winner, remember, hasn't driven a race car in a very long time. So for him, this is a bit of a, a learning experience. The other change is the car coming in, chasing the championship in the pro category, the six US Race Tronics Lamborghini for Steven Agacani and for Jacob Edson. That is wearing a totally new livery this weekend because it is a brand new car. So uh-huh. they still have the old car this weekend if they should need it. But of course, now that practice is going on, you can't change chassis. So that's effectively parked up for the weekend. But they are running a white Lamborghini with green and red accents. So that's going to catch Jeremy and Brian out at some point. Uh,
2: who's still in? Obviously, there's, there's several different championships there. And uh, 11, I've just seen the stats, 11 of the 16 cars have at least a class win this season. That'll tell you just how tight it's been. But we've still got two of the four class championships to be decided. You mentioned the pro am class but the pro class is still up for grabs isn't it?
5: Yes it is. Uh, Madison Snow comes in with a lead basically uh, in order to not win the championship in order for for Khani and Edson to claim it they would have to get both pole positions and win both races with misfortune striking Snow given how many cars are in the class this weekend. So that one is still up for grabs in Pro-Am after a great weekend by Leo Lomelis he still can take that championship as well from Corey Lewis and McKay Snow, but they come in with the advantage and given that they have raced here before and Lomelis hasn't that is another advantage for those two and as you mentioned in Am the championship belongs to Victor Gomez he's already sealed that up and in pro uh, in LB Cup which is the last category I actually was talking to him a bit this morning Randy Solari what a nice guy yeah. he can win the championship by winning the rate by starting the race, but he doesn't want to just start, he wants to come out and win. And he, he was actually saying that when John Hennessy won the first race at Road Atlanta, Michelin Raceway, Road Atlanta, a couple weeks ago, he was told, You don't spray the champagne, we're not doing that with COVID. Well, he started talking to Hennessy and found out that it was Hennessy's first ever win in anything. And he said to him, Hey, John, brace yourself, I'm spraying champagne, I don't care if I get in trouble, you deserve this
2: uh eh, let's go to porsche last race of the current championship because we go uh to a brand new championship next year it's a full house uh, carrera (laughs) cup it is porsche carrera cup north america eight uh, events 16 races east coast base to keep the traveling down including the new 992 gt3 cup car although grandfathered in the 997 Gen 2 car, four different classes next year to look forward to uh, with uh, the effectively the Pro class, the Pro Am class. Uh, and then we've got a Rookie Championship as well uh, as uh, the uh, Young Drivers category. Um, but let's talk about this year's first six, uh, 18 cars this weekend. And have we, we've still got titles up for grabs, haven't we?
5: Uh, well... Yes, um, there's an asterisk next to uh, one of those, and and I'll get to that in a minute. Jeff Kingsley basically needs to start the race, and he's got uh, the championship won after sweeping the weekend at St. Petersburg. That's the Platinum Cup. Correct, the overall championship. He's brought himself in with a very good positioning. In the gold category, Kurt Swearingen has staked a claim for the championship and he does have a sizable advantage. There's only three cars in that category this weekend because Bart Collins has moved to the platinum class and more on that in a minute. Um, but it means that Kurt Swearingen. Basically, I don't think there's a way he can lose the championship. I don't think Efren Castro can do enough to try and gain back as many points because there's only the three cars. I think he's just got to
2: start both the races. Exactly. As
5: long as he starts both the races. As far as my um, hesitation and squeakiness comes along, it's because in the Platinum Masters class, which has belonged to Alan Metney all year, all last year, pretty much all the year before that, too he's got a pure white porsche it looks like a new car to me as i was walking by the uh, kelly moss road and race tent it was disturbingly new um that comes as a result of damage sustained at st petersburg so this is a new car for him he has been hunted down tooth and nail by charlie luck and charlie if he does do well enough can win that championship because there's an extra car in the category for Platinum Masters this weekend. So it does add an added level of intrigue to that battle, but it will be pretty much an impossible fight because it would need the worst kind of luck from Metney too.
2: Early start on Friday. They're racing at 8 o'clock, local, and then 2.35. We'll have those in sound and vision for you, of course, uh, with our uh, commentary. Just a quick word from me about uh, Jeff Kingsley. Ten of the first 14 races... (laughs) Uh, One, and all, I they did a bit of uh, research, of course, ah. um, uh, and I I can't see him finishing worse than second all season, Cher. Is that right? That
5: is correct. Hmm. That is correct. The races that he hasn't won, he's finished second, which has been a remarkable points-gathering opportunity. Now, you come into a racetrack like Sebring, which everybody knows that Porsches go well at Sebring, But unfortunately, you're racing in a series full of Porsches, so they're all going to go well around here. He does have that little bit of pride to try and maintain and to try and go for the win record. But in his mind, he just needs to make it through to claim the championship and then get a free Porsche for a year. That's pretty nice.
2: Uh, What else have we got uh, this weekend? Uh, We've got the prototype challenge, haven't we? We do.
5: And it's actually funny. I was talking earlier. Oh, there's a uh, Piers Phillips, our friend, walking past the car, too. See, all the Brits are coming out when Midweek Motorsport is on. Um, we've got a situation where core motorsports lead the championship and they're Aston Martin. They have a sizable advantage, 15 points over Carbon in their Audi. But when I talked to Dean Martin earlier, he said that for the first time ever coming to Sebring, he's very nervous not because of the track, but because of the situation. He said they're not quite sure what they have on their hands. Whereas you're going up against the guys in the Audi who have won the race the last two times that they've run it at Seabrick. So it is a difficult situation for the core team. They will keep calm, they will do their normal thing. And all they need to do is basically 10th place or better, even if the other car wins, even if the 39th Audi wins, I'm I'm gonna go through and finalize all the points and all that, all the different scenarios. But the advantage is in their court. Unfortunately, the Audi team is very strong here. So if anyone can pull out a win in a miracle, it just might be Steve Dynan. Right.
2: Uh, sorry, how did we jump to uh, Michelin Cup when we were talking about IPC? We
5: were talking about Pilot Challenge. IPC's been done for a month.
2: Ah, yes. Okay. I said, sorry, Mish- MPC is what I should have said. Yes, yeah. Michelin Pilot Challenge. Um, and that is when... Uh, We've got the race for that. Yes, we've got the race for Um, that, yeah.
5: But in terms of TCR, we do have a couple extra cars running in TCR as well. So that championship battle could swing. That race is far from done. And the championship leaders there, Gabby Chavez and Ryan Norman, had a nightmare of a race when they came to Sebring in July. So they're looking for a little redemption on that side of things too. But they don't have that peace of mind of having gotten a win here before or done well here before going in to try and win a championship. And Gabby pulling double duty
2: that's another big worry for them. Mm. Uh, so the 68th annual Mobile 1, 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Advance Auto Parties, the main event. It is Saturday. So the bulk of our coverage, although we start with a couple of free practice sessions on Thursday, uh, live, exclusive and free. Thursday and Friday, the bulk of our coverage of what's going on at Sebring. Uh, sorry, Friday and Saturday, the bulk of our Uh, coverage of what's going on at sebring including the big race on saturday please remember um well uh petty lamont threw a bit of a spanner in the works for uh, the 31 wheel and engineering cadillac and to keep their title hopes alive they've got to win on saturday
5: yes that is the Bad news for them is knowing that they come in here and they have to win when they're in a very competitive eight-car field. The good news is they're very good at winning at Sebring. They yeah. did it in July. They did it last year, for the Mobile 112 hours at Sebring. They are very accomplished at winning. The guys chasing them, and in terms of points, second in points, Ryan Briscoe and Ranga Van Zanda, as far as we know, they're driving for their careers because there has been zero announcement as to what they are doing for 2021. We know that they're not back with Wayne Taylor Racing, so they're auditioning. They're going to go all out. Briscoe has won Sebring before. Ranger has not. And Ranger has said to me multiple times that the one race that he wants to win is the 12 Hours of Sebring. But both of them, and by the way, sitting in my rental car, there are now spots of rain on the windshield as the Lamborghinis are still out on track. And actually, one of them decides to come back behind the wall, the number 13, because it's a little bit um, too much rain. So, going back to my non-distracted by race car sentiment penske at the sebring 12 hours have never done well their best finish is fourth in four attempts they average a finish of 9.2 they're trying to win the championship over cadillac who have a very good track record of running at the sebring 12 hour that would make me a little nervous if i'm Elio and ricky taylor because the car not only hasn't done well it hasn't been necessarily reliable that's a worry uh, uh,
2: that's the top three then third, Wheelan. Uh, second, uh, the Cadillac of Wayne Taylor Racing the the Conningham and Alta car the glossy black car as we always call it and then the Acura uh, leading um, I said it was different in atmosphere it's a different time of the year the clocks have fallen back in the States as well we often say about Sebring when it's in its normal date in March eh, that you've got to have a car that's good in the dark Now, we actually don't mean good in the dark because the dark is only a part of the story. It's actually getting cooler at that time of the day in March. We're going to have two hours extra darkness (laughs) running here, but the temperature is going to be a lot cooler anyway. So who, if anybody, does that benefit?
5: Well, in theory, that should be the situation. Unfortunately, this is Florida, and we are having one of those years where the temperature just hasn't changed. It's 81 degrees right now in the paddock. That's the ambient. Um, We're looking at, what, 4.15 in the afternoon. In a normal situation, this would be pretty close to peak heat, and it is. Unfortunately, the temperature tonight is only going down by 7 degrees Celsius. So the temperature swings for November are nowhere near what we are accustomed to seeing. Yeah. Part of this is because of this weird weather pattern that we've still been having this year. I E see hurricane out in the Gulf in the middle to end of November. Um but it means that the biggest thing people are having to contend with is this 4 hours of darkness run to the checkered flag. Last night it was pitch black by 6 p.m. Wow. So we're going to have a lot of racing in the dark and I'm really excited about that.
2: Uh we've talked then about the TPI in uh, GT Le Mans uh, it's a maiden yes. victory uh, for Corvette uh, and they'll take the teams and the Drivers' Championship with the new maiden victory for the new C8R. Um, still a battle for Pride and Porsche and BMW battling for the minor positions, but Porsche wanting to go out in style, share because this is going to be their last outing and they've produced uh, another set of stunning special liveries.
5: I have seen them. They are even more stunning in person than they are in the pictures that Porsche released the other day. They really are a touching tribute. 75 races started by the Porsche GT team in North America between the 24 hours of Daytona back in 2014. The first race that they ran, they won. They're looking to try and do so with the last. And I do have it by the way, thanks to Tom Moore for that statistic. He did send that along mm-hmm. um, in terms of some, fun. When Porsche run the liveries, they've done it six times in special liveries between Brumos, the mobile 1 at Petit Le Mans in 2018, and then, of course, the Coca-Cola livery from last year. Of those six races, they've won four of them. They've been on the podium almost every time, the exception being Petit Le Mans and Daytona 2019. They've got a very good record running the special liveries. So, and, and
2: you can count in Le Mans as well, where the Pig Pig won.
5: Correct. I wasn't doing that because it was a different team, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it is true for, for Porsche as a whole. But the other thing that we shouldn't forget, we're not only losing Porsche, but we're losing Ollie Gavin as a full-time driver. Mm-hmm. And to come to a place like Sebring, where he has seven wins in the 12-hour, he won the July race. This is a phenomenal opportunity for Ollie, Marcel, and Tommy to go out with the bang. They are one of two teams running this weekend where all three of the drivers have won the race previously.
2: BMW at their last race, we think, as a full season entrant with uh, Piers Phillips and the rest of Rehal Ray- Letterman Lanigan, possibly only turning up in the long races. This is going to give Corvette a bit of a problem. They've raced against themselves in the past, but rumours abounding, and a bit more than rumours, that a GTD team in the shape of Weathertech. <laughs> could well be stepping up and bringing a Ferrari GT Le Mans in for next year.
5: And this surprises me, not at all. International, not surprised face. We have seen WeatherTech Racing step up in the past. We've seen it this year at Le Mans and run in a different class because you know what? The odds are a lot better when you're racing against two other cars than when you're racing against 12 other cars. It just makes sense. And for them, as a brand that's trying to market, that's what the program is. That's what the racing program is. It's part of their marketing budget. It makes so much sense to get the added TV time and to come away every weekend knowing that you've got a better chance at a great result. I like it. And I'm, I'm hearing that rumor, too, about WeatherTech stepping up. But I haven't yet seen the sad faces around BMW Team RLL that you normally see when teams know it's their last race or their last couple of races. So I don't know how much I'm reading into that program, and I'm waiting for the official announcement to come out of Germany in December.
2: Yeah, and that's not unusual, by the way. That's the BMW Race of Champions. Uh, the, the thought is that BMW might just be doing the endurance races uh, next year with uh, with those Cars, uh, Of course, they're not competing anywhere else in the world and haven't for a little while now, so it is a little bit of an outlier for BMW already. That, if it went away altogether, would leave RLL with some spare capacity. And before we move on uh, to GT Daytona, um, uh, let's talk about another team that's got a bit of spare capacity, having previously <laughs> been running a GT Le Mans car, and that's Chip Ganassi. What are you hearing about them for next year? Because they're never really got rid of everybody that was in that Ford that Ford program and, and they had extra uh, extra workshop space. There was talk of them going into DPI with potentially a Ford. We don't think that's happening any in these current regulations, but there is a, a, a mouthwatering opportunity for, for Chip Ganassi that's being talked about at the moment.
5: There is, and I'm, I'm hearing the whispers, and they are very strong whispers right now that Chip Ganassi will be running it next season in the DPI category with the Cadillac, which certainly would be intriguing. He's got a very full IndyCar program for next year, though, with three full-season cars, and then, of course, bringing in Jimmy Johnson for the street and road course races as it is right now, so that in itself requires all of his mechanics that he had working on the Ford GT program that he brought over with him to the IndyCar side of things. But I did reach out to Cadillac and I got a statement back saying that they're still finalizing the lineup for 2021. Their current focus is on winning the Drivers and Manufacturers Championship this weekend. With the schedule changes, it's going to be a short off season, mm. but want to finish 2020 strong. That's from Maura Klauser by the way. Uh,
2: yes. Uh, I, uh, so we'll keep an eye on that one. You mentioned Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Obviously, uh, multiple NASCAR champions, so he knows his way around parts of Daytona. Sounds like we're going to be talking about him in the Rolex 24 with Chase Elliott uh, as part of a team as well.
5: Yes, wasn't that a little bit of fun? Chase Elliott comes through and wins his first cup championship. And I say first because I'm sure that there will be more to follow for the youngster from Georgia. And uh, team owner Rick Hendricks slips up and says something about, well, I'm, I'm so excited to get these guys into the Rolex 24 in January. Uh, maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. And it was one of those things that every sports car fan is just going, yes, and celebrating and fist pumping. And I had that uh, moment of that I had very similarly back in, um, oh gosh, I guess it was 2016 when I found out that Jeff Gordon was going to be running in the Rolex the following year. And I thought, I'm going to get to interview Jeff Gordon. And as soon as I heard Hendricks say that, I thought, I'm going to get to interview Jimmy Johnson. That's amazing. He's a top uh, look. He really is. He's one of those sportsmen that you just admire, from not only from what he's been able to accomplish, but from the human being that he is.
2: Uh, Kevin Pearce says, loving the goodbye livery from Porsche. Uh, and can't wait to see those cars out on track. We'll have them live for you in qualifying in sound and vision for everybody, uh, whether you're in the States or further afield. Of course, we've got the whole race live in sound and vision for those of you outside the States, MPC, SN uh, as well. We haven't talked about GT Daytona, so let's do that. Uh, The situation there is what, (laughs) Cher?
5: Interesting is what the situation is. After the last race, after Meyer Shank Racing came back and won the race at Laguna at Weather Raceway Laguna Seca, reclaiming the championship lead, they have an advantage over the 16 Wright Motorsport Porsche. Has not won a race this year and has uh, three podium visits, I believe, in total. They stand a chance of winning the overall championship in GTD without winning a race. So that just tells you sort of the chaos that's been in 2020. Because in previous seasons, that would not have been possible. But coming into this weekend, we've got a little bit of history to look back on. Meyer Shank Racing has run Acuras in three 12 hours of Sebring. They have finished seventh and eighth twice, eighth and 14th once, meaning that their best ever finish was seventh. Acura is not particularly strong at this track. As far as the Porsche goes for Wright Motorsports, sitting, sitting second in the championship, the last three times that Porsches have run at the 12 hours, They have finished sixth as a best finish. Again, not great, but we know Porsches do well at Sebring. And if Patrick Long is in for the last stint, everybody else better watch out. Lexus is the other car that is in contention for this championship. And they are still going for the Manufacturers Championship as well with Acura. Lexus have finished ninth DNF, fifth, 14th. 13th and 18th they too do not have a good track record at this track so in terms of the three major players trying to claim this championship this weekend not a single one of them has a solid leg to stand on in terms of good finishes at this track on these tires
2: um just a a quick line coming in here um hearing uh from a couple of different sources ricky taylor philippe Albuquerque going to win taylor racing uh, for Acura for the full time effort, Elio Castro Neves and Alexander oh, yeah. Rossi completing the team's endurance lineup. Um,
5: no, no. Elio was announced um, yesterday, I think it was, as going to Shank Racing to be with them go. in IndyCar for a limited series program. So if Elio was going to be driving in an endurance role with any team, you would think it would be with Meyer Shank Racing's prototype and not with uh, Wayne Taylor's prototype, but the other interesting thing to contend with it's all is all accurate though, for... isn't it?
2: It's all Honda. Well, it
5: is. But for Meyer Shank Racing, we have had, and they've been um, dribbling out their driver announcements. They gave us AJ Allmendinger as the Rolex 24 driver. They've given us Olivier Pla as one of the full-season drivers. They have not yet given us the second full-season driver or the endurance driver. Elio could slot easily into either one of those.
2: Uh, and the same for Mazda. We know that Mazda's going down to uh, one uh, one car. Do we know who's getting the drives for that? Yes,
5: Yes, we do. Jonathan Bommarito is the endurance driver. Their full-season pairing, embrace yourself for this, Harry Tinknell and Oliver Jarvis. Good luck, everybody else.
2: Stand back from (laughs) the side of the circuit. Uh, And Mazda coming back, although we're losing one Mazda prototype, far more Mazdas on quite a lot of IMSA weekends next year.
5: Yay, we get the MX-5 Cup back. I was talking about that last night, as a matter of fact, and how excited I am to get those cars back into our paddocks. Um, And that will be probably 30 cars on any given weekend. So there will be lots of Mazda love and Mazda power running with them. Mm.
2: Cher, thanks very much. Uh, Tim, do you need share, or are you going to move on to something else? I'm going to
3: move on. uh, All right,
2: Uh, just before I let share, go, then. Sure. Uh, 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 thanks very much. Stay, stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow uh, in those practice sessions.
5: Will do. I'm going to go find out what's happening with the Lamborghini Super Trofeo.
2: Cheers. Thank you, Shay. Bye-bye. Uh, and we'll be on air uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday with exclusive live and free coverage uh, from uh, Sebring. Uh, and you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Good to have you company. And we're in uh, Series 15, episode number 44. Tim, where would you like to go next?
3: I'd like to say hello again to Nick Damon.
4: Hello. Hello, Tim. <laughs> you were a long <laughs> way he off your mark. clearly wasn't there.
3: ready for that. Yeah, excellent. And just ask him if he's looking forward to his trip to Thruxton with Joe Bradley.
4: Uh, well, I, I'm not going. It's just Darren's going. It's a, it's, I think it's a single prize. I'm not sure if the whole team gets to go. Ah.
2: I shall uh, find out. And why is this, Nick? This is because, <laughs> it's because
4: they're winners. we... we, we... We are winners. The Team RSL team is winners in the uh, virtual Race of Remembrance. Um, Didn't win in the car. In fact, you missed the, the, there's actually a special effects uh, thing done recently where they ceremoniously actually set fire to the car after the race. Um, it had been rendered second hand by Joe and third hand by me. Um, But yes, we've won Darren's Superb Art has won us the livery competition, which is by far the most important part of any race, as you know. Yes,
2: but actually, you got a prize, so a win to win, isn't it? Too right,
4: yeah. I think it's the same prize as winning the race, actually. Yeah, it was, um, yes. Supercar Day at um, Traxton, so yes, but I think they won. I think obviously it it would be for Darren. he did all the work. Uh, By the way,
2: if you didn't, if you don't know what we're talking about, we couldn't do a race of remembrance, so we did an online race of remembrance with year one with Mission Motorsport. Uh, Overall, the weekend has. Uh, raised the sharp end of 30,000 out of the 50,000 target they set themselves. There's still an online auction that's going on. All the details is on the Listener's Collective, or go to missionmotorsport.org. Lando Norris donated the race suit that he wore in the 1,000th Grand Prix. That was the China Grand Prix. Uh, and that's up for grabs. There's all kinds of experience days as well as memorabilia up for grab, And a good... It was had by all. I think it was tremendously successful. Uh, something over three hundred thousand people around the world uh, were tuned in to watch. Wow! At really? any, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, um, over the weekend. And of course, the most important thing was we had the live link up with Thruxton for mm. the pit lane uh, drive-in, effectively the drive-in uh, uh, service of remembrance, which um, which worked very well indeed. There was people in the paddock and people around the track as well. And
3: back uh, to the well. competition. Uh, There was a lot of competition in this as well. I thought the Excite Energy uh, 478 car was very good. Um, Yes, that
2: was very bright. There was a lot of poppies. There was a lot of remembrance themes, of course.
3: Um, The RAF one with the shark uh, on the side of it was quite nice as well.
4: Yeah, that's very good. I think it was, it was probably the movie by helmet on the bonnet that won it for us. Well, when
2: the bonnet was on there, which was not through most of Joe's stint, <laughs> we did have a bit of a go at that. And particularly thanks to Ben Collins, by the way, um, at the middle stick, who uh, came on in the morning. He couldn't drive, but he came on and gave us a, a good hour and a half of his time in the morning to, to help commentate, which was, a, which was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and if you'd like to know more about um, those type of races, year one... Uh, which is Graham Sesford's company. He's a um, Mission Motorsport uh, helper and beneficiary and former RAF. Uh, f- go and look them up. Uh, and see what they're doing because so they've got a whole load of league stuff and given the way they organised that event of the weekend and got round shall we say the vagaries of what the simulation wants to do and doesn't want to do in terms of organisational I can only imagine <laughs> that their uh, that their standard league stuff runs like clockwork as well brilliant stuff uh, alright uh, we've been trailing this for a long time it's time we say hello we go across the water uh, and, and then across some more water uh, before we can get to uh, the environs of Boston and say good evening to Declan Brennan hello Dex. How are you
1: ha uh, hello everybody uh, I'm excellent thank you. How are you
2: uh very well and so lovely to hear your voice again ah, uh, and very... uh, Tim what would you uh, what would you like to say to dex
3: I wouldn't like to say anything to Dex, but I would like to play some music, which is this music
2: right, right. <laughs> might be, Tim. Tim, I think that yes. might be the uh, the first time we've had that um, more than once in the show. We could have had it three times, actually. We could actually. have done it,
3: really. We could have done it for Miami, but Miami has a theme of its own. We should have asked Jay about Miami, really, shouldn't we? Um, Too late. Too late. Right, it this...
2: Have now moved on to two wheels, then?
3: Uh, we've that? moved on to two wheels. This is a two-wheeled crown court action. Uh, and Declan yeah. Brennan, whose meat have you been eating?
1: Uh, mine, uh, luckily enough, has not been contaminated. And uh, although uh, much like Andrea Anoni, I can't prove one way or the other uh, because that is ultimately why Andrea Anoni has just been banned for four years. Well, three more uh, uh, from competing uh, in professional motorsport because the the uh, uh, cast, the... Uh, the World uh, sport Court of Arbitration, of Arbitration in Sport, yeah. Yes. Uh, the Court of Arbitration in Sport uh, effectively uh, said, uh, no, you're a big old agent and you couldn't prove uh, where the meat came from that you claim was contaminated. Uh, in fact he didn't give us any evidence at all so you're a big idiot, so here's two more years well is, so is maybe, that just not a case
2: of you know it's the classic thing when you get to to court you know you've got two sides to a story and not very much evidence so it's just a
1: question of he said sheep shed well that's or in this case in this in this situation he said cow shed well, very good uh, but, uh, very good but of course there was he couldn't say which type of cow Like obviously they had no evidence they it was they, bombings, they stuck to it? the whole contaminated meat story and 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 they had all the other circumstantial stuff like their hair samples and but there was they never brought any evidence to to uh you know to prop up their case so there no. wasn't really anything for the court of arbitration for sport to do other than to say yeah you're absolutely guilty go away
2: and this uh, is, I mean the other thing is that he might I I think from what I read uh, in the judgment, um, he might have got away with saying, mm, "Well, he, he didn't really mean to do that," so it would have been a, a shorter ban. But the fact that he fought it so hard, they they sort of said, but, but didn't say it in some respects. But reading between the lines of the of the of the cast judgment was, um, it was deliberate,
4: and therefore you're going to get the full four-year term. No, no. John, don't forget, it wasn't Cass who actually gave the four-year term. Oh, don't yes, forget sorry. That when good he point. Got, When he got yes. – com- he was initially convicted yes. for a better terminology. He appealed the two-year sentence, but WADA also appealed the sentence being too lenient. Correct. Yes. So there was a double appeal, and then the court of arbitration yes. found against him for WADA, so it went to the standard four-year um, ban.
1: Now, I don't remember if, – if, if you were to play the tape back from when we talked about this initially uh, – I actually probably at that point said that it's absolutely, I think I said it's nuts for him to appeal this because he'll end up getting a larger brand. No, you absolutely and, did. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what's happened. Because but he should not, the thing that drives me mad about this is the the dog ate my homework excuse doesn't work anymore. You do, Like it hasn't worked forever. Tainted samples and, and not knowing what's in it isn't, you, you have a duty of care now yeah. it's, and it's, it's entirely on you to make sure you know what's going into your body and pretending that the sample is tainted or you didn't know what the ingredients were doesn't work. No, it just doesn't work anymore. No, no. You've got,
2: you've got, you, you've got, as you say, a responsibility. Nick, does this then effectively end his career?
4: Yep. He'd be 34 before his band's over and he'll be, you know, not no, no one's going to consider a promoter GP ride at that point. Um, i yeah, i think i think that the whole appeal of the whole situation he's always been a little bit i think well, how can I put it? short of a complete selection box i think in in many ways I think so um do you um, think he's
2: one ratio short of a gearbox do you absolutely well done excellent uh okay.
4: motorsport technology. <laughs> all right
2: um all right okay let's put that to one side then um Dex absolutely called that when we spoke about this a little while ago the 2020 moto gp season and, and let's talk about the top class first of all has been extraordinary in so many ways astonishing in so many ways uh, from my point of view looking at the championship table now and i've got to go back an awful long time nick knows that i um before i went on to bmws my japanese bike of choice was suzuki and i had a few suzuki's my first ever bike was a gsxr uh, uh, 750 and uh, then i had an rf 900 and so i've been through the four-cylinder suzuki catalogue i'm sure that started with barry sheen and then uh, through um, uh, Kenny Roberts and KRGI, I suppose, Kenny Roberts Jr. Uh, later on. Uh, and undoubtedly, and I had this conversation with Davide Brivio in in Dubai at the start of the season. Davide Brivio is a motorsport bonkers bloke. He's also happens to be the team manager of the Suzuki GP, the X-Star uh, Suzuki team. And... We got into a very long conversation about whether he would like, uh, whether it would be better if we had a satellite tape, and he said yes, it would be. We'd have more data, but we haven't, so we've just got to get on with it. And uh, he said, I don't like it, but I've just got to get on with it. And um, we had a long chat with him in the booth. And blow me, Dex, if we haven't got. Joanne Meyer finally wins his first race of the season and ends up 37 points ahead of the chasing field, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, with two events, one at, at uh, the same circuit as we were at the weekends, circuit Ricardo Tomo, and one, of course, at uh, Portugal at uh, the, the uh, Autodromo International de Algarve. Um, thoughts about Joanne Meyer first, because again, I'm going to give you credit you said a while ago when he was sitting in fourth or fifth position in the
1: championship this could be his season he's he's turned on full rossberg 82 mode it's exactly he's he's effortlessly consistent uh, needs the mustache and the smoking habit obviously but uh, is just he has uh, matched the Suzuki team and that bike perfectly and and the thing that Nick and I chatted about uh, off the air a couple of days ago is that Suzuki have incrementally developed the bike. They have a platform that doesn't uh, really uh, have. There's no negatives of of the new Michelin stickier tire other than maybe their ability to get get a really fast lap in qualifying. Mm. Uh, They have just packaged up this deal perfectly. If Rince had been if Rince had been fit uh, from the start of the season, I think they'd have dominated things, uh, John. So uh, Alex Rince certainly wasn't fit at the start of the season. They uh, So you park that for a second and then you examine everything else. And the everything else is every other team's ability to shoot themselves in the foot mm. on a consistent basis, which yeah. they've done, uh, particularly Yamaha. Yamaha have won eight races this season. Would that be right? No. F- uh, uh, yeah, that, that'd be about right. And yet they are, uh, for example, Quartararo has won three races and hasn't made the podium the rest of the time. The, the, the astonishing ability for everybody else to hand Suzuki this championship has been just uh, just beggar's belief. And I know Nick feels very similar. Uh, I, and I thought Keith Ewan uh,
2: and uh, Neil Hodgson, who do the, the UK commentary for, for Sky, uh, they're not there. Uh, and they haven't made any uh, uh, any uh, secret of the fact they're not there. They did some from the Tribe Museum earlier in the year. Now they're in the BT Tower uh, right in the centre of London. Uh, so they're they not able to get there, but they're obviously they're very well connected. So much of, of sport, Nick, nowadays is about the mind. Mm-hmm. And so much about racing is in the head is as much as it is in how, what you feel through your backside and how quick your hands and your feet are. And Neil Hodgson made a great point at the weekend about you know everybody is trying hard, and if you're on a, an Apriler, you're you're struggling around battling for 15, 16, 17 position, but you're still riding your whatnots off, and eventually that subconsciously is going to get to you, and you'll stop giving of your best, which is true. The other side of that is what Keith Hewin came out with, and I thought this was genius, and I hadn't thought of it like this before. The other side of that is there's no Mark Marquez this year. And in the bulk of the season where there's been no Mark Marquez, there are riders out there with a newfound belief, Nick, that they can get to the front of the field and potentially win a race. And we've had more new winners this year than in any three seasons in the past.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to say about that. I think the other thing is it highlights the massive inconsistency from track to track of the various bikes i mean you know it was it was touched on by by dex but you've got you know the, the honda they've they've proven they're a one-man bike when the one man falls off and disappears in the year they're just nothing and they've just sort of begun to get off the absolute back end with the uh with, with the two bikes this recently you know you've got yamaha who can't who can't put a bike together it, one circuit it's brilliant but only for one of the one of the bikes sometimes it's last year's bike more than Sometimes it's satellite bike. Sometimes it's vinales and then they'll go the next track and it's useless you've got ducati you've got the man management skills of david brent Um, you know, who who effectively have completely taken with the man who should have won this, which is uh, Dovey without supporting him. And then he's had problems with the rear tire. KTM have got a
1: number of talented riders. Nick, Nick, can I just underline that for one second? And by saying you're up, And then when their other rider wins, he basically says afterwards, this is basically me flicking the vase to Ducati Mm. for letting me go. Yeah. That's Danilo Petrucci. So they, they have, they are. They have two riders shooting their way out of town right now, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. Sorry, carry on, Nick. But that is no. to me. Just,
4: KTM obviously they they are still on the way up, and they've also had an issue where they haven't managed to find a figurehead for their team. I think three of their riders, or two of the riders, won a race, and the team leader is one who hasn't won one. Mm. So Suzuki, out, out of all of this, have just been plugging away, scoring points, scoring points, scoring points, scoring points, and finally managed to push to the front and get wins. And if they put together a great championship season but you sit there and you you can't one thing you do think and it's it's you suddenly turn around and this is gonna sound a bit harsh, but you realise how ordinary this field is. We haven't got the Lorenzo's, the Rossi in his pomp, the Marquez, the Pedrozas, the um, you know, even you know I'm going back from that point, you know, it's Casey Stoners. It's, it's a very ordinary field. What is is it, GP. though? It, yes, it, it, I, I genuinely think the second best motorcycle racer in the world is Jonathan Ray, and he's not in MotoGP. I, I I just I just think that everybody's
2: head has been so marquezed up for such a long time that they're almost, you know, subconsciously, they're almost battling for second before they even get and down before they even get to the race. Now, that I, I think, and Dex has made a good point here, that might work against Mark, when he, Mark Marquez when he comes back next year, that people will say, well, I can do it now. The monkey's off me back. But they haven't done it against Marquez, and that'll still be different. One rider I want to talk about who has had a horrible last few races, if you go back to the Shark Helmets Grand Prix at Le Mans, in and when was that um early october wasn't it um fabio quattararo came into that as the world championship leader he had a horrible race he looked like uh, with due respect nick you and me tottering around and uh, uh, not but but in 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 uh if you compared him against the other riders it was a damp drying race at le mans and quattararo looks like we would look against good riders on the road because he just did not look happy on the bike he was keeping it upright uh he was all right he he'd, he'd been hurt um at uh, barcelona before but he's he he came out of that with a a, a 10 point lead uh and he he really hasn't recovered from that either physically, certainly part of it, but mentally as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the last great French hope also completely lost his way at, uh, at Le Mans with, yeah, uh, and Zarko a few years ago. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's parallels. I think it's more of a mental loss with Zarko. It's taken about three seasons or two, two and a half seasons to get back up again. I don't think Quattro is the strongest mentally either. And they've, they've, they've you know, he's gone into a funk and and he's, realistically you know he's he was his to win he won the first two races out this this kind of highlights my my point is that no one's been able to take it by the scruff of the neck and what you've ended up having is someone who's been super consistent suddenly just moving forward at the end of the season and 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 john mears is going Mm -hmm. to win barring a ridiculous turnaround but i just just sit there and you think, this is, this is thank goodness that Marquez was injured, otherwise, he would have won all by one of the races.
2: I ah, would have had the championship See, by now, he would have had a by, he would have had the whole championship by now. Quattararo, Dex, yeah, Quateraro, just just uh, bear with me here. So, uh, injured, no doubt, probably were he uh, didn't want to let on because it was he was going as the championship leader to his home grand prix, albeit with no fans there. Uh, didn't look happy, um. Is his is his weakness physically from his injury mat, matched by a, a weakness
1: mentally as well? Quite. He's a young lad. Don't forget, he's, he's starting out on his career. He's, it's absolutely uh, a, a mental weakness. He he hasn't had to deal with a, uh, adversity. He get plucked. He got plucked when he probably didn't deserve it. He looked out by getting plucked out of not obscurity, but certainly not. Hmm. Uh, uh, he certainly wasn't the first choice uh, and somehow became first choice for the, for the Patronus Yamaha team. Uh, and then, and then suddenly found this great form. And, and even that season at the start of that season, uh, Wilco Zielenberg was very vocal and saying, we only want him to learn. And, uh, Franco is the, uh, the senior writer here. And, and we expect him to get more points and finish in the top six. And, and, but it, the script got flipped. Yeah. And uh, and suddenly, by the end of that year, they'd already negotiated that this year he was going to have a full factory bike. He was, you know, the main man. He was moving into the into the uh, into the factory team, and the pressure was on him. And he delivered very well. And hats off to him. He delivered at Jerez at the start of the season, and then as soon as the pressure changed yeah. and how he he was viewed changed and suddenly he was the star he was the man who should win the title he really buckled under pressure uh, uh on a number of occasions mm. and uh we had the, the issue with track limits uh, uh earlier in the in the season when he and then he you're right and then he didn't he started to look like he didn't have it his is he was mentally gone yeah and i think he's mentally weak uh, and i think more of a deli who has had to work for everything he's ever had, Yeah, uh, is growing in, in maturity at a, at a slower pace and actually right now is a much more rounded rider. Yeah, I'd than, agree with that. I'd agree uh, with that. We've got to push through a, a, a bit more. Um,
2: it's Johan Mia by 37 from Cuatro who's on the same points as Rins on the second Suzuki, also had a win this year. Then v- Vignales, another four-back. Then another four-back, Morbidelli and Dovi, who is still the best Ducati by a country mile in terms of, uh, of the points, which is extraordinary. Then Paul Espargaro on 106, uh, 105 uh, Takagi Nakagami. Uh, Who had a great chance to win, of course, a couple of weekends ago uh, at Aragon, and threw it off from pole position, which he'd be kicking himself for forever and a day. Jack Miller in ninth, Miguel Oliveira uh, in tenth. Um, Another race uh, at Circuit Ricardo Tormo, and then um, and then Portimao to come, and it, it does look like Suzuki could pull this off ted the toy man aspect term all the riders have been inconsistent for the last few years except for marquez it just uh, it just got noticed more this year with marquez not there not an unreasonable thing uh, uh, to say um quickly want to have a, a a couple of quick words about the the junior classes moto 2 um <sighs> sam laws Threw it away at the weekend. He, he literally threw it away when he had uh, very little pressure on him, and he could have been leading the world uh, championship standings. Uh, I think he was third or fourth, wasn't he? When he threw it down the road, he's now uh, six points be- behind a uh, Badestini with Luca Marini. Oh, Bastinini,
1: yes. Bastinini, who's had a good year, but he's also what he did do was he opened the door for Luca Marini, who was correct again luca marini's only finding form after his le mans his accident at le mans was absolutely enormous yes it was. and there's no uh doubt that he's physically uh only recovering now and samos had a chance by winning that race to probably close the door on, on marini for the championship and really put the first nail in the coffin for Bastianini. yeah uh, and granted he didn't do it but Nobody would argue that he is still the form man and probably has the championship uh, under his own control. Yes, I'd agree. Uh, I, I would say if he goes out and does what he needs to do and hits his mark, he'll beat Bastianini and he'll beat Marini. The only thing uh, I would second... say
2: that if there's any weather and you get an odd result, then all, you know, an odd set of circumstances, all bets are off because that is such a close field this year
1: um, that you know, you could, he could finish out the points. He could. Yeah, no, I just feel bad for Joe Roberts. Joe Roberts, who, you know, uh, leading that race at the start and dropped it. I think he's going to be, I think he's a, he's a really interesting guy to look at for next year in, in motor two, particularly as he's moving to, to Altrans to, Uh uh, to Battinini's team, an extraordinary
2: so- Moto3 uh, race at the weekend, where pretty much all of the top runners threw it off down the road. To the point where, if John McPhee, who had qualified on Paul, the Scotsman, had stayed on, he was back in the championship hunt. Then he threw it off down the road. Um, it's a cracking finish to the season. Albert, Albert Arenas, and uh, Ayagura battling it out. Tony Arbolino down in fourth uh, behind. Celestino Vietti Abelino still the unluckiest man in the world remember had to miss two races for sitting next to somebody who had COVID on a plane that was Italian regulations not Moto 3 uh, regulations I still think if we're going to have to live with this for a while you should get average points scored if you can't make a race or have dropped scores in world championships it just isn't Vietti fair a big
1: Vietti was a big loser oh, Vietti was a
2: massive loser at the weekend yeah massive
1: like, uh, before I think Sorry, go on, Dex. Quickly. I was just gonna say I think Arenas has probably done enough with his consistency. I think Igor, if he could start to qualify a bit better, I think Ogur could still take it to him because he's he's one of those typical Japanese riders who on his day is absolutely you know untouchable and he has mm-hmm. that ability and he needs to he needs his day to come either this weekend or <laughs> Or it, uh, in uh, in Portimao, and I think that is absolutely possible. But Arainus has been so consistent; I think he is going to win the championship. i would great to see Ralph Fernandez get a win on the KTM
2: uh, at uh, in Spain. He, uh, he really deserved that. All right, there was an accident behind him, but he took full advantage. And he's a big lad, and he's going up into Moto Two next year, I think, as well. Uh, and so I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Fernandez in Moto Two. Before we leave, it got a talk about Gary Gerloff who subbed on the early sessions the American uh, rookie rider in um, World well, Superbike, um, subbed for Valentino Rossi uh, in the early sessions before uh, Rossi jumped back on having had a, a negative test. Um, second and a half or thereabouts off off the pace on a brand new bike, on a brand new circuit. He was bloody impressive.
1: Yes, and do you know why do you know why he got the ride? Are you aware of why he got the ride no. over Toprak? No. Red Bull. Ah. Toprak is has Top been in Top is their number one rider. They couldn't give him the ride cuz of Red Bull. He's a he's
2: a monster guy.
1: Yeah, cuz uh, uh uh Gerloff has been a monster guy uh, from his time in Moto America. Yeah. And exactly. so it should have been Toprak and to be honest I'm devastated by that. I would love to have seen Top rack on a MotoGP bike. And I would love to have had Nick to have to talk about him. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Top Rack and Quattararo in the same, same race. Same would oh, be fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. fantastic. But he oh. impressed everybody. He took that opportunity uh, very much like uh, the way uh, many years ago, Jonathan Ray did with yep. Honda. Uh, yep. Did exactly what he needed to do. Very good analogy. Didn't, didn't try and do anything uh, out of the ordinary, but just absolutely impressed everybody with his pace. And that absolutely has not gone unnoticed. No, and, and,
2: and that's the sort of thing that, that could stand him in good stead down the road, uh, yes. particularly if there's a, a big rider shuffle, which there still could be. There still could be a rider shuffle. I'm not sure it's all done and dusted uh, just yet. We're running out of time. Um, and uh, I think we all agree that Suzuki are... Uh, with you and me are going to win uh, MotoGP this year uh, which means we've cursed him now and Davide, I <laughs> I really apologise uh, for that Dex, before we let you go a quick word about NASCAR um, it was the cup final this weekend I cup- like that final yes um uh uh, chess elliot wins uh in the number nine car in the anniversary after his dad done it in the same year that's the same baseball team on the world series as his dad did there's so many things that were that she would have loved about coincidences this is yeah same indy car yeah absolutely um and yet and yet it's
1: failed to capture the enthusiasm of the tv audience and and that let's put this into into uh, you know into perspective as well he is effectively uh well he is he's nascar's most popular he became nascar's most popular driver uh as soon as dale junior mm. retired he became the guy who won the like and he was literally a, a rookie and a raw he might, I mean he may even have been still a teenager at that point uh, so yeah You'd think, you know, uh, that's the case that there, there. This is the coronation of of NASCAR's n- new, young, most popular driver. But yet, yeah, we still end up in a position where uh, it was a a network race, a, a network NBC race, uh, just scraped past the three million adults, a uh, three million people, and 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 in the eighteen to forty nine, now of the, the one that counts. Uh, less than six hundred thousand people watched and in five years that series audience for its finale has halved Have how, how much of that is
2: is the current situation though uh decks where there's so much going on at the same time and there's so much competing for people's eyes uh, in the states everywhere there's so much sport going on well, there's
1: so much overlap john that's really interesting because because there's everything is, is generally a little down year and year, all the stuff that ended up playing at a season like hockey and, uh, the NBA and all of that stuff just had, and, uh, and a little baseball, a little bit, uh, well, baseball, they were all considerably down and everything is down. And that's a pattern in, in all sports. Uh, but NASCAR got its finale in, in and around the time it would be normally. And, uh, and it doesn't really have an excuse for for running out of out of season or, mm. uh, you know, uh, and, and in people's mental calendars, this would be the finale. And yet it just can't do anything about about uh, these TV numbers. And it's the same for ultimately it's the same for all sports. Some are holding much better than others, but NASCAR isn't. And I'll just say it again. And I'm going to continue to say it until they do something about it. They can either decide that this is fine, like the dog in the drinking tea in the in the room that's on fire the internet meme or they can look at what they're doing and say you know what this is just vanishing slowly and we need to do something really significant about it and all the changes they've made all the changes that to to create the championship the way it is now with with the way this racing is done in stages etc so it's not changing it's in fact it's not doing anything substantial in any respect Mm. To uh, keep people, the broader public, interested in the sport. And that uh, has to change. They need to do something. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face root and branch change is needed, and it's not happening. Uh, Tim Greer, before we wrap up, has something for Dex.
3: Uh, well, Dex obviously uh, is very much into the uh, business of sport and marketing. Uh, quick yes. view on the takeover of Codemasters by Take Two. Oh,
1: yeah, good point. Uh, I think that ultimately, uh, from Codemasters' perspective in the US and for the development of the product in the US, I think that's absolutely fantastic. I think uh, because Take-Two is a uh, has such a significant... Uh, well, it's a, it's a, this it's is US gaming, business, by the and, way, for those that don't know, and Codemasters, yeah, uh, and, among with the things, Masters, do Formula 1 games. Formula 1, game. Formula yeah. One. yeah. Uh, you know what would be interesting? I'd be really interesting to, interested to see what they do with F1 and things like the uh, and things like the uh, GTA yeah. franchise because you can race a Formula One style open wheeler in a grand uh, in the in a GTA grand environment. Theft Auto, yeah. yeah I'd be really interesting to see if they start to to look at how they can did, did tig to Did take to uh, get get of slightly mad as well. Uh well, they would because that Slightly Mad is uh, was bought by Coldman. Oh, right.
2: sorry, that's the other way around. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so they get Slightly Mad as well. Um, the thing about Take-Two is that um, a lot of people are worried about how much downloadable content might have to be purchased
1: because they have got a bit of a business uh, on DLC, haven't they? They do, but I think ultimately that's the way the whole thing has gone anyway. And, it, and I, I just, I think... Uh, from from the the racing and the motorsport and and racing games perspective, I actually think it's probably it's probably a good thing because it's in terms of Take Two's portfolio, it was a whole the the straightforward simulation like like F one for example was a hole that they needed to fill, so it's a perfect fit for them, and I think uh, it will end up benefiting uh, particularly uh, fans of the F one games in the US. I think it'll actually benefit people over here. All right, Dex, thank you very much indeed.
2: Nick Damon uh, still with us as well. Uh, Tim Gray, I presume, our, um, online racing team, Tora will be talking about that. If not this week, then next week. Uh,
3: this week, tomorrow night, they will be talking extensively about that story. And uh, after last week being the wrong team, uh, this week it's a hybrid uh, team as well. So it's Matt and Ben presenting this week. Uh, and as well as that Masters news, there will also be... Uh, talking about uh, news on the release dates of GT7 and the Assetto Corsa Competizione GT World Challenge Pack. They will not be talking about a new survey published today that says Mario Kart is the most stressful video game in any genre.
1: It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is the most <laughs> For fun. everybody. Ever. Particularly once your target acquired from the guy behind with the huge, massive rocket. Uh so uh, absolutely once you are in in the sights of uh, your competitor it's very stressful Uh,
3: scientists have measured the heart rates of players and the average uh, Mario Kart player has a heart rate of 85 beats per minute I wish this compares with uh, Call of Duty at 83, Fortnite at 81 and Street Fighter at just 75 I I,
2: I tell you what if anybody that's on iRacing under three figures they're not not driving hard enough uh, and we've got that at eight o'clock tomorrow night nine o'clock of course is Creelsea and the team with on the grid it is uh, and they will be looking uh, at Australian and world motorsports with a particularly Aussie uh, Presumably way of they'll be talking
3: about the news that Todd Hazelwood has signed a new contract with Brad Jones Racing
2: Oh, almost certainly. I'm sure
1: they'll also be reviewing the fantastic three-hour race from uh, Highlands Motorsport Park at the weekend, which was live on, on, on Tinternet. The GT race. The Aussie GT race, yeah. Uh, well, for New Zealand, New Zealand GT race, because yeah. it was at Highlands. And what a... I love that place. It's a fabulous we, spot, isn't it? We, yes, it has a jump. It, literally, the cars get airborne over the bridge. You watched it, didn't you? You can admit that now. <laughs> I watched as much as I could. Right. Now, the times out I mean for me wasn't right. I watched as much as I could, which wasn't a lot, but I loads would have happily sat and news. watched all of it. Uh, loads of supercar news yes. this week, but because
3: that's all we've got time for. Dick for. Johnson Racing as well. So.
2: Don't let... Just leave them I'll to do it. That's why, it tomorrow, that's why... If Nick, they do. Nick, congratulations on the livery win at the weekend. Thank you very much. It's our first big I racing win. Yes, it won't be, it won't be your <laughs> last. Declan Brennan was joining us as well. She Adam was live from Sebring this weekend, the finale of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Johnny Palmer heading up the co- uh, the coverage on Friday for qualifying, Saturday for the hall of the eight hours, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the IMSA series finales, uh, including Lamborghini, Porsche, Michelin Pilot Challenge, and of course. The headline event, the WeatherTech uh, Sports Car Championship Finale. That's the uh, mobile one, 12 hours of Sebring, presented by Advanced Auto Parts, all on uh, RS2 and the majority of it in sound and vision. Next week, back at the same time, 8 o'clock, and it's time for Eve's Christmas presents. That's the headline uh, on next week's show, is that possible? Uh, it is. Oh God! And I'm sorry, it is. Yeah, it is. It is that time. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thanks for your tweets uh, as well, Nick, uh, Dex, Share, Tim, and the responsible adults all involved this evening. I'm John Hindhoff. There's no time to explain because the Llama is off for a new livery.
0: This program is a radio show limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLemon.com.